Uh, hey, look, chat's in the corner again, because uh, we have two different guests now than we did last time. We'll get to that in a second. First, I have to welcome you all to Retroactivity Episode 2. That's right. I can still count as high as we have episodes. Give it time. I'm sure I'll run out of the ability to ignore Elias trying to distract me with things. I specifically told Elias this wouldn't work, and he still tries to do it anyway. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, I, uh, I spent about uh, five minutes Googling to find uh, the background. I wanted to get uh, what's-her-face that's in that one series we're going to talk about, and also Ridley, and I thought that that'd be neat. And I didn't want it centered because of people lecturing me about vectors and stuff. And I'm like, whatever, I'm just not going to center anything ever again. Anyway, podcast, Metroid. That might seem like a weird choice considering I don't have a whole lot of history with the Metroid series other than I've played most of the games twice. But here we are. And some of you were wondering, hey, Jacob, you're doing a Metroid thing. Are you going to get Elias? Well, the answer is yes. So can I get some claps in chat, please, for the man, the myth, the legend, Elias Thompson? Hola, soy Elias Thompson y me dijeron que podía usar el idioma que sería. All right, so background on that. Elias thought it'd be funny if he spoke in Spanish for the whole podcast. And I was like, please don't. This is what he does. This. Specifically, he said, in terms of language, you can do what you want. I said, great, I can speak in Spanish. Hello, I'm Elias, <laughs> Metroid person. Yes, and those of you wondering, Elias, you mean the Elias from such fame as Cheer 440? The answer is yes, that Elias. But joining Elias today, sitting on top of Elias, which is uh, good implications on that. Uh, we have a person's name who I'm likely to mispronounce, even though I've heard it about seven times before we started, <laughs> and I told myself I was going to get it right. Gendrevis. You said it right. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. I get a cookie. Can I, nice. Can I have that big cookie you had like 25 get, minutes get, ago? Get yourself it's, a cookie. It's a good It's In a good my stomach, so I would have to vomit into your person. Oh, that's oh. less fun than I was hoping for. But can I get some extra One claps point. in chat uh, for the current head of Metroid HQ that has desi- decided to join us today in discussing Metroid and why it's the worst <laughs> Nintendo series? I didn't know that was the topic. Well, this is going to be, a, uh, this was great. I'm going to head out. Uh, uh, nice song, you guys. Later. Yeah, bye. Uh, save me? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to only be talking about the best Metroid games. You know, like Federation Force? Isn't that right, Elias? I mean, I have things to say on that. Oh, don't worry. We'll get there. We're covering just about I'm every sure Metroid we'll game that there. we can. Oh, yeah. We're not skipping the well, bad ones. We're all inclusive here. So it's going to be easy. <laughs> Three hours is plenty of time. Uh, I already see my favorite person in chat is now Treble Notes. Um, Metroid <laughs> Pinball, best game, oh, they you said. Know it. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get game. along well. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I really wanted to try the Metroid Prime pinball game, but it occurred to me that it was on DS, and DS is notoriously difficult to stream. I could do it, but I just didn't want to deal with the hassle of doing it, so I ended up skipping that one, and I'm kind of sad because I thought that that would be pretty fun because I heard some decent things about it from Elias. That it was actually pretty good. Decent things from Elias is (laughs) the name of my autobiography as well. (laughs) 
I mean, I'd buy it. Can we? Uh, can I get a link to that autobiography so I can purchase it? On sure, uh, coming Amazon. 2058. <laughs> 2058. I'm sure Amazon will still be around then, so no worries yeah, yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those of you that uh, missed the first episode of the podcast or you don't know what we're doing here and you're like, Jacob, stop talking about video games and just play video games for my entertainment while I torture you. Uh, let me tell you what it is that we're doing here. We are taking a bit of a, uh, a roundtable retrospective, so to speak. On different series of games. Last week we did Halo, where Ben and Holmick joined me, and this week we're gonna dive into Metroid. And uh, I'm gonna be rotating guests out to pick people that best fit the uh, the topic that we're discussing. Hence why we have uh, Gendrevis, which is the head of Metroid HQ, and then Elias. He begged me. I promise he begged me. Like he <laughs> he called me on my phone and was like, please, <laughs> please. Oh, just uh, Elias Thompson, known beggar. <laughs> constant beggar it's true i got down on one knee and then got down on a second <laughs> knee once i realized the position i was in and then begged it's true it's true uh he he had a ring but he hesitated and i was like no no hesitation in this relationship i closed the door in his face <sighs> i'm gonna get a bottle of water okay since we're gonna be talking a lot bottle of water acquired yeah. Because I sit beside a fridge water, because I'm lazy. Water is an essential part of the Metroid series. <laughs> I really wouldn't exist without it, nor yep. would anything in society. Um, <laughs> I would say that water is one of the three key parts of Metroid. Uh, you have water, you have Metroids, and you have the baby. So That's the, the same... You know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the baby's a good Metroid, not a bad Metroid, okay? Slight difference. And uh, Molasses, I have a job for you this stream. I want you to count how many times we say the baby throughout the entire podcast. And then I need a It's final already been total. too many times to count. <laughs> <coughs> uh, you know, it's so weird to uh, get notifications on a tweet that I didn't tweet. It's, uh, <laughs> it's real, real fun. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we're going to start talking about Metroid. I hope you guys are ready for it. So ready. Oh, yeah. Big ready. Oh, yeah. So uh, I have to ask, uh, the first thing I'm going to start with, because I think it kind of gives people a little something to look forward to, is uh, without any context, no explanation whatsoever, favorite Metroid game? Zero Mission. Ooh, yeah. Metroid Prime. <sighs> Metroid Prime. Uh, it's close, but Metroid Prime. Okay, so. What was close for you? I'm curious. That's a good question. Uh, I would say, and you're going to hate me for it, Fusion. But only, but only the first half of the game, and that's why Prime was. <laughs> the, <first half. laughs> the first half of Fusion is great. The second half can, cannot, just, mm-mm. Like cartridge tilt it slightly so that the game corrupts and it just somehow ends at the midpoint. Uh, It'd be perfect. Just leave it there. That's a that's that's called SAX work. <laughs> I, I I hope that's a real thing. It's not. Don't worry. Oh. No, I'm sorry. The SAX warp hits you with the ice beam and you get a game over and you warp back to the main menu. <sighs> my favorite word. That sounds about right. It's, yeah. It's my that's entirely doable even for beginners. 
<laughs> Believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You might even say, especially for beginners. Yeah. yeah. We learned that last year. <laughs> and the year before that. And the year before that. <laughs> and the year before that. So speaking of which, before we dive too deep into all the Metroid stuff that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of hours, uh, tell us what this uh, MHQ-thon is and what it's all about. All right. Okay. Mr. MHQ. There we go. You look like you were about to just to eat my thunder. Beat your thunder? Eat my th- t- steal my thunder there we go that's the one that's the one don't worry it was there like a lightning bolt in my brain like a, like a thunder um no, I, I just always poised myself to where i look like i'm about to say something it's a good way to get people not to speak but go ahead <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that's, that's an amazing skill i need to learn that uh, anyway mhqthon is a uh a marathon that we've been doing for the last i think this is the year 10 i think we started this is year 10 this is year 10 yeah impressive thanks Um, pandemic for putting a damper on our 10-year anniversary yeah for real (laughs) uh this was supposed to be the biggest and coolest ever and instead we're doing it entirely remotely this year um but anyway it's we're doing what we can to make it big and cool anyway (laughs) uh but yeah so every year we've been uh coming together as a staff of uh of the community in the metroid hq community and uh playing through the entire metroid series uh just straight through in a big old 24 7 stream for however long that ends up running uh and while we do this uh we're raising money for charity uh it's been well we raise for child's play uh and uh yeah it's just it's a good time you get to join in you got get to watch people most of the time who are very experienced with the games they play sometimes we decide to pull people in who are not and see how that goes uh spoiler that goes not as well about as, as well as you think about, about as well as you'd hope yeah <laughs> uh elias and i have both had uh siblings doing uh first playthroughs of a couple games in the past how long did your brother take to go through other m i think he spent 14 hours on that and fusion my brother we did the same thing with my brother with metroid prime one my favorite video game i think he took 24 hours (laughs) oh gosh i I forgot it was that long (laughs) yeah that's uh that's impressive i can't remember did he play the wii or the gamecube version i can't remember either you can't remember okay because if it was the GameCube yeah. version, I'd at least understand having to get used to controls after. Well, that was also uh, years ago. Like he doesn't. That was also, yeah. I don't think plays a whole lot of two dual analog games anyway. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a fun fun Metroid weekend akin to the Youthon. If you guys remember that way back when, but the Metroid <laughs> version and shorter usually because there's less games to play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the game not face. No, weird. Poor Elias. I saw that. These these little sci-fi side scrollers and stuff, uh, just flying by compared to large fantasy adventures. <laughs> yeah. Zooming uh, so, across the room, as Jacob likes to say. Yeah. Well, whenever I finish a bottle of something, yeah, I do tend to yeet it over there. 
<laughs> I hate you immensely for saying that. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, so when can people catch uh, image? M. My brain stopped. Work for me here. Resume process. MHQ-thon, thank you. There we go. <laughs> when can people catch that? Uh, we will be kicking things off tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific. That is 2 p.m. Eastern, in case you needed that. <laughs> 17 uh, and a half hours from now. Apparently. Yeah, there you go. Um, Let's see, what is our... What is our first game? Let me see. It's a fusion race. That is right. We're going to be kicking things off uh, with a race between uh, Saturnot and Draco Falcone, who are the two people who aren't here. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not just uh, yeah. any two people that aren't here. You, you know them. Two you love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, that'll be a good time. They both know the game inside and out. We had uh, one year where Saturnot made a goal of finishing Fusion 100% under two hours. Uh, and he decided that it didn't matter how long it took in real life. As long as it said under two hours on the end card, uh, it was good. So there was um, a lot of lost 10 seconds reset. <laughs> <laughs> going on there yeah. but uh no this is a race now so we don't we don't stand for it <laughs> real time matters now mm -hmm. ah well uh speaking of metroid games i think maybe oh, we yeah, should right probably now. get started with metroid i forgot oh. yeah yeah that's so, why we were here yeah so uh it's interesting that you said zero mission uh, for your favorite, uh, Gendrivas, yep. because we're going to be starting with OG Metroid and Metroid Zero Mission, since they are similar. And uh, my first what question... Way? Well, they're... It, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, because I very well could be, but I'm pretty sure that Zero Mission is basically a remake of the original Metroid. It's okay, actually you've got, it. you've got me there. <laughs> But with stuff. I'm sorry. What was the, the witty end. comeback you were that I interrupted there, Elias? It was unfunny. Please continue. <laughs> oh, okay. So it is a uh, a remake of the original uh, Metroid game. Have the two of you played the original Metroid? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I have. Yeah. I sure yeah, have. There's uh... <laughs> <laughs> so well, the great thing is that because of the remake you really don't have to like mm -hmm. aside from just well, putting yourself from the ringer yeah. there's little to no reason to play that original game correct me if i'm wrong but it's pretty hard right it is by today's standards yeah mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh back then it was just a normal nes game <laughs> i would say that the other advantage to zero mission existing is that it gets rid of a lot of the trial and error mm. uh, that the original Metroid has, because there's a lot of, like, if you are completely new to the series, the original Metroid is very, why, why don't you just bomb every single tile in the game in order to find out where you're supposed to go? Mm. Uh, whereas if you've played Zero Mission, the critical path is roughly the same between them, at the very least, 
the way that you get from place to place is uh, sort of shaped the same. And so you'll have an idea of, oh, well, in Zero Mission, there was a floor that I could speed boost through over here. Let me just bomb this floor. And yep, there's a passage. Okay. So yeah, everything, every wall, every ceiling, like, looked the same as it had to, right? For memory yeah. reasons. Right. Yeah, it right. was made in a time before the Super Metroid standard of map design for Metroidvanias um, was implemented, which Zero Mission had the benefit of pulling from. So, right. Now, would you compare the original Metroid's uh, design of, hey, you better bomb everything, it all looks the same, and we're not going to really tell you where anything is. Would you compare that to the original Legend of Zelda? Because that's like the thought that I got when I heard that, was like, hey, let's try to light all these trees on fire in the hopes that one of them has a staircase underneath of it. Wait, you can light trees on fire in the original Legend of Zelda? I've never beaten that game, so... I, I think? It's It's been a really long time since I even went near the I original Legend of Zelda I always get halfway through game. the first dungeon, and then I'm like, no, I'm done. Wow, there's nine dungeons in this game, but they're all just yeah. recolored. Great, perfect. <laughs> one of them shaped like a skull, the other one shaped like a snake. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes. Uh, it was definitely the Metroid version of the original zelda right because that's you know that's exactly how that was um uh they they did the best that they could i i always still call the original metroid more superior than the original legend of zelda because literally its premise was let's combine mario and zelda in terms of platforming and side scrolling as well as a sense of adventure and exploration and mm -hmm. then you got metroid so it's an interesting uh, way to think about it that was, I, I believe, the, the thought process as to why they chose to start developing it. Oh, that's pretty cool, I recall actually. reading it some developer interview somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Take my word for gospel, kids. That's how it was. Yep. I should know. I wasn't born no yet. Gospel. <laughs> Only words. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that about Metroid. That's pretty fascinating. So with Zero Mission, you know, again, it's a remake of the original, but when the original game would end, Zero Mission adds more content. Mm -hmm. And I assume that that extra content is canon to the series, I assume. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, Metroid canon is a fickle beast <laughs> that... well never really knows what is or isn't at any given time. It is Schrodinger's canon, in my opinion. Well, aside hmm. from a couple of choice dialogues in a few games, it it is a relatively solid canon and timeline. In <laughs> um, the fact that there's still a line. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of a Lines tree. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a time web. It's not a <laughs> fork. It's not. It's it's just a timeline. Um, that is slowly becoming uneasily held together um, as time goes on. Um, but uh, yes, um, I'm trying to now remember the original question. The epilogue in Zero Mission. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I think because it's one of two remakes in the Metroid series, they kind of just decided to overwrite what happened in those first two games with what happened in the remakes. And there were a couple of additions in both of those games that I think they said, this is how it really happened. Hmm. Now, specifically with zero mission, 
do you think that those additions and changes that they made were for the better or for the worse? Uh, big better, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, if you're if you're a guy who doesn't like stealth missions, <laughs> you might have an issue with part of it. But all in all, absolutely better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that well, stealth mission like, is stressful. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I uh, I got really big into the Metal Gear series uh, mm. not long after I got into Metroid. So. Uh, that explains yeah, so much. I'm, I'm fine with stealth. It's good. <laughs> my opinion on stealth games, and this is a little off from Metroid, but my opinion on stealth games is when the game is designed for it, it can work really, really well. But shoehorning a stealth section into a game that doesn't have stealth mechanics or isn't built for it usually is terrible. Usually. Well, I'd say yeah, it's usually. pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Like, uh... I think the, the the and again this is a very small stealth segment we're talking about in Zero Mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were drawing from what worked in Metroid Fusion, which had come out a couple of years prior, mm. uh, in terms of just like building tension and like and trying to avoid things that are very clearly a lot more powerful than you are. Um, and uh, it didn't it didn't last for very long. And uh, I, I definitely think it could have been a lot worse than it was, but I think what they were trying to evoke there, they succeeded in doing hmm. for that particular part of the game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but because uh, it's been a little bit since I played Zero Mission, but unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you uh, you have your shitty pistol that you can charge and it can stun them for a moment, but it doesn't do a whole yep. lot. You're fairly defenseless. Uh, but then when you finally get your stuff back, even though I guess technically it's new stuff, you just are a force of nature and can steamroll the shit out of them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a, that's a really awesome feeling. Right? Yeah. Very it's much so. Like, okay. I was at full power before. Right. And then I was reduced to dirt. And yep. had to crawl around in the weeds. <laughs> and now I am a god and I press a button and 50 enemies die. <laughs> and, you know, it's almost like because you get that feeling in most Metroid games slowly over time. You know, you go from being weak to getting stronger mm-hmm. and stronger weapons and you feel like more of a badass as you go. And you, know, and you don't generally notice it unless you decide to go back to like the opening area or something. Yeah. To go yeah. Correcting or, things. Yeah. Like, especially if you're going for like a hundred percent and you have to go back to these areas with abilities that you didn't have before in order to get these extra items, you get to see the new destructive power that you have. Uh, the games are and usually think, pretty good about that. And I think that's one of the reasons why, even though people in modern games complain about it a lot, backtracking usually works for Metroid again, depending on the map design, right? Because right, right. By the time it makes you backtrack because you're more powerful, like what was a challenge before is just like, oh, I step on you and take one damage now. Like, <laughs> yeah, deal with it. Shoot, shoot, step, grab this. Great. Now I'm even more powerful. Yeah. Let's go back to the exploration <laughs> yeah. going for. And oh, what's this? A new door with a new color? Might as well pop that open, see what's in there too. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like just about every Metroid game does that pretty well. And then Zero Mission, it does that throughout the normal game, just like every other Metroid game. But then you get that epilogue, and it condenses that feeling. Instead of being spread across five hours, it's spread across, like, 20, 25 minutes. And it's such an interesting contrast to what you're used to if you've played other Metroid games up to that point. And I find that really interesting. And I think 
that it works really well because it comes right after a stealth section where you have to avoid enemies because you can basically do nothing. And I think it's a really interesting design choice. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, I think it does it both ways too in Zero Mission. You get you get the best of that because up until the stealth mission, right, you you reach a certain power level, which is fairly powerful, right? Yeah. Um, and you can still backtrack through most of the map and you know get that same sense. And then once you go through the stealth mission and get like you essentially at that point get like three upgrades at once, and then you have you can literally go anywhere in the map at that point, and that's you get the the same feeling again, even though you were just like. I don't know how I could have felt more powerful than I already <laughs> felt. Oh, but I am. And so you just, it's, it's like a two for one deal. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was really interesting. And it's why zero mission is definitely pretty high on my list of Metroid games. Uh, I would say probably top five for me. I'm curious, uh, Gendrevis, what about zero mission makes it your favorite? If it hasn't already been discussed. Uh, the movement actually. Ooh. Um, so Zero Mission, uh, was the first, uh, the first Metroid game to come after Fusion, uh, and until Samus Returns was the last side-scrolling 2D Metroid, and you, and it's still the most recent um, sprite-based, uh, yeah, side-scroller, oh, wow. and just the um. Oh the the feeling of controlling samus in zero mission is the cleanest that i think it's been in any of the uh in any of the side scrolling games uh it's quick snappy responsive um <clears throat> you have uh more control over her than you do in either fusion or samus returns uh the the aerial like there's a technique in the game called single wall jumping uh, where basically it looks like Samus is just hugging a wall and cl- uh, climbing up it because you have so much aerial control that as soon as you do a wall jump off of a wall, you can just press yourself back towards the wall and never actually leave it. Oh, wow. Um, and it's like, um, yeah, just all of that. Because Fusion... Fusion felt very Super Metroid, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but that's just to say, like, it's slower. Uh, it's a lot more <laughs> deliberate in the way that you move. Um, whereas uh, Zero Mission is, uh, yeah, like I said, just quick and uh, responsive. Interesting. I still, I still think that the Zero Mission is, like, a perfect, almost perfect Metroid. 2d engine like it's i don't know where it ranks on my list of metroid games in total i've never like made that <laughs> official ranking but it is definitely my favorite uh side-scrolling style metroid 100 percent, no question um yeah like it's it, for all the reasons you just said like you see the progression from like metroid which was just basic the basicest of, of movement and then super metroid which set a standard but the physics don't really age well. It's floaty. Speedrunners like it because you're forced to be slow and it gives you more time to think about things. Um, <laughs> called out. Um, that, was a, that was a dagger in the back right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Fusion was like the middle ground up to Zero Mission, where it's just like almost just real time, just like 
zooming around and, and feeling awesome. So it's interesting. Hard to agree on that. You know, it's fascinating to me. That explains a lot about why the first time I played Super Metroid, I didn't like it. Uh, and that's because my very first Metroid game was Zero Mission. I didn't mm -hmm. realize yeah. that it had... I bet you would have liked Super Metroid a lot more if you'd played Metroid first. <laughs> well, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, with Zero Mission, I feel like starting with that, uh, starting with the best movement out of the 2D games, kind of soured uh, Super Metroid Yeah, it almost me. sets you up for yeah too lofty expectations yeah exactly yeah starting too high and everything below just doesn't seem good uh now the second time i played super metroid i enjoyed it a lot more which i'll get to that when we get to super metroid but uh but zero mission yeah uh I, you know i really liked it but i didn't know that it was as well liked as it was uh that's that's pretty cool it's it's a it's it's a faithful remake um while bringing it into what was then a modern era and even now like holds up to just play, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, I when I recommend the Metroid series to people, um, if if they if they're the kind of person that that can enjoy you know two D pixel pixel games, I usually tell them to start with Zero Mission um, because it's it happens to be the beginning of the story, mm -hmm. um, and it's it still holds up in my opinion. But is it the beginning of the timeline? In terms of games, yes. <laughs> I'm not touching that can of worms yet. We'll get there. <laughs> all right. Tell you about all the novels and TV shows, like in Halo. <laughs> oh no! Oh, not again! No, no, no. We get to talk about the mangoes. Oh no! Was there for those unaware of? <laughs> <laughs> Did it have a lot of uh, mangas uh, and such? I wouldn't say a lot. But there's a handful of, there's a couple prequel comics Mo that most, came out. Th there were a handful of different like series of mangas that came out. They were mostly just supplementary side stories that weren't really canon. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was one in particular that came out to coincide with the release of Zero Mission, I think. Um, that was meant to be like a, a fully fleshed out prequel story to set up Zero Mission. Oh, wow. And it, it, a lot of what we know about Sonus' past, we derive from that manga. Wow. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. And it doesn't Featuring really... Featuring cameos from people such as Adam Malkovich and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Uh, would you say that it did well as a, as a standalone thing? I don't think so. Um, was that I mean, one the Nintendo really... Power? No, really? it, it was it was released in a couple of books. I have them around okay. here somewhere. But it was also only released in Japan in Japanese. It oh, was never yeah. oh, wow. officially translated to English. Another website uh, has done a really good job of translating the entire thing in English so that people can get up to speed on it. But um, it's 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 a decent you know two volume story um, that uh, is rife with plot and does a lot. I think it's it's a better read if you're already a Metroid fan. Mm. And you're kind of just like looking to fill some holes and gaps in your knowledge. Um, it does a great job of that. And it, it you know, de decent story as well. That's fair. Now, we can't really talk about Metroid games without talking about the one main reoccurring space pirate villain. 
And Who? all of his bazillion forms that screech loudly in my nightmares. And that would be Ridley. Zoomer. Zoomer. <laughs> <laughs> Zoomer, in all honesty, probably has the same number of forms as Ridley. <laughs> probably, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, we are, of course, talking about the generation of humans that comes after millennials, Zoomers, not the Metroid enemy. <laughs> <laughs> they have so many forms. <sighs> so. so <laughs> yeah. So, with Ridley, what. How do you think he does as a reoccurring boss? Do you think it's just kind of, oh, it's this guy again? Or is seeing him, you're like, oh, now it's a Metroid game. Or is it somewhere in between? I'm definitely in the latter camp. Um, I I get excited every time Ridley shows up. Because uh, I think he's cool. He generally has fun boss fights. Uh, even if that just means that his boss fight is hey, shoot me a whole bunch of times, because <laughs> when he has those boss fights, it generally means every other boss in the game has been really mechanically heavy, and it's a breath of fresh air just to shoot something a whole bunch. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the biggest disagreements I have with some of the fan base is that they try to look really heavily into why Ridley is where he is at any given time. And I say, who cares? He's fun. <laughs> so that's, that's my opinion on the whole subject. What about you, Elias? I, I go back and forth on this. Um, even to this day, I feel like, because at the same time, yes, I appreciate, uh, the developer's willingness to try new things, even when they don't always work, uh, they tend to learn from that. And a lot of times that means trying not having Ridley in a game. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, like Ridley is essentially a Samus's arch nemesis. And it's nice to, to be able, if it makes some modicum of sense, you know, to, to have him show up and be like, oh, great, time to die again. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but at the, at the same time, yeah. If you if you throw them in too often, it, it becomes you know almost you know not boring, but just like okay, great, yeah, we're doing it again. Like give us something else, right? So yeah, I, I, I I'm wishy washy. I go back. Uh, the latest game that he showed up in, I was pleased to see him. Um, but there 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 have been times where I've just been like, okay, he's here once again. I will destroy you yet again. And we will both move on with our lives. You with your fifteenth life at this point. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I see, I see both sides of that coin. Um, but I guess generally, overall, like he's, uh, an, I guess enough of a staple of the series to be included in Smash Brothers at this point. So it's true. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Captain America and Smash. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So so all in all, uh, I, I think I'd I'd. Uh, mm -hmm go with pro Ridley instead of con Ridley anti Ridley anti yes yeah. that words continue <laughs> <laughs> so with with zero mission you know it has Ridley in it of course mm -hmm. and as it is a remake of OG Metroid that would be sort of the first time you would encounter him as a first time boss without any 
you know, prior experience with Ridley, do you think at first glance, not knowing what he's going to be later, but just at first glance, do you think he's worthy of being the main rival? So in Zero Mission, yes. In the original Metroid, <laughs> yes, though. I don't know if you've seen Ridley in the original Metroid, but he is a purple dragon who jumps up and down and shoots fireballs at you. Um, and by so dragon, we mean someone who might even be shorter than Samus. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think like that. It's everyone complaining Roughly about Ridley too big for Smash. Uh, yeah, just put his original Metroid incarnation in there, no problem. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Ridley became the the nemesis because they decided to in Super Metroid to go for a pull from the original and grab the two bosses. Uh, and Ridley ended up headed into that role. Yeah, yeah, and Ridley ended up being really cool in that, and so he stuck around further. Uh, yeah, Zero Missions version of him though, like. You have the little cutscenes, the little cutaways as you go into new areas mm -hmm. that show space pirate ships approaching the planet. Ridley, like Ridley arriving there, he shows up after you because he found out uh, uh, something's going on on my base and I need to make it stop, uh, according to Zero Mission anyway. And so, uh, yeah, they set him him up pretty well there. Yeah, I think in terms of just the game itself, right? Zero Mission. Uh puts a special emphasis on Ridley. Um, and that, aside from him just showing up a lot in games prior to that, um, was probably the first time, maybe a little bit in Prime, but but really the first time from a plot perspective that he, that he had the special emphasis on, uh, this is going to be somewhat of a showdown. Mm -hmm. um, what really drove that home, though, and what really solidified him is that sort of arch nemesis, aside from just the supplementary like lore and scans and some of the Prime games, right, um, was that manga that we talked about earlier, um, which mm -hmm. served as a prequel to, to uh, uh, Zero Mission, because uh, it did depict some of the events in her early childhood that were later referenced in games like Other M. It depicted like some of uh, the way that she went about life as a bounty hunter before that zero mission, right? And it also depicted sort of how Ridley came to control this space pirate base on uh, on Zebus, and uh, it sort of it sort of set up that arch rivalry and gave you more context. So, um, yeah, that that that's one of the reasons that that's good. But even just within Zero Mission itself, um, it it sets that up pretty well, hmm. even if you. Don't read the manga, which I'm sure no one else here has. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, people just kind of know, right, that there's like a special like enemy relationship there. Interesting. It's, it's really interesting how much this supplementary manga mattered. And if it even got it's referenced like, uh, in later games, you know, that says a lot, too. It's like, I think, the only non-gaming supplementary material we have, so we <laughs> cling to it just a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Just a little bit. Now, one of the things that we have decided to do here on the podcast is, as we move through the games, we try to give them a, a rating. And, uh... Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, not like a, it's not like a 1 through 10 rating or anything like that. It's a, it's a little more simple. Uh, we try to figure out how it would be presented to somebody that's trying to get into the series. So would you consider Zero Mission essential, recommended, 
optional or <laughs> no. I would call it essential. I would say I, essential as well. If nothing else, you're going to find out if the person uh, is even interested in the 2D games in the series. Right, and where you yeah. mentioned that it had like some of the best controls for the 2D stuff, you know, it, it's going to mm -hmm. be more likely to hook them into the series. So I agree. I agree. I agree that it's uh, that it's essential. Just it does a lot of things right, in my opinion. And it's, you know, as my first Metroid game, I thought it was great and it did get me to like the series for sure. And I I'm glad that it was my first. It's not my favorite, but I am glad it was my first. And I think it does a lot to get you ready for the rest of the series, too. On the on the flip side of that, though, because we're also talking about Metroid at the same time here. Mm -hmm. I would probably say Metroid as optional because Zero Mission exists, tells the same story, but better and is as good as it is. But you, there, you wouldn't give it a no, though. No, no. Like, it's not a bad game, right? It's for, for you know, it's an old gamers game. who have grown up on like, you know, this generation of games, right? They're not going to have any interest whatsoever in even looking at that, right? Right. Um, but if if you know you're you're trying to introduce someone to the Metroid series, and the obvious question comes up eventually, well, what was the first game? Well, it's this. It was made in the '80s. Mm -hmm. It uh, you know was as good as uh, the technical limitations allowed it to be at the time, um, which was which was kind of how I went into it. Right, I got into the Metroid series, uh, you know, halfway through its current you know lifespan, and uh, I played some what were then modern games, and then went back and played the original games. And I was just like, okay, I understand this is going to be a little painful and a little, you know, just like, but I kind of want to see, you know, how it started and just wanted to sort of do it myself. So I would definitely say optional. Hmm. Interesting. And you also mentioned that you would say optional for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if, if I know this person is a big, it like, plays a lot of older games i might bump it up to recommended mm. like if this is someone who's played ninja gaiden or the, the original legend of zelda or something like that if i know they have the patience for it because that's something you, you really need oh, for yeah. the, ori the original metroid you need patience uh and paper to write down the passwords and <laughs> and paper yes actually uh <laughs> uh then yeah, I would I would bump it up to recommended for that person. But uh, on the whole, I would just say optional. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I think uh, we should probably talk about another similar situation that we had with OG Metroid <laughs> and Zero Mission with Metroid Two and Metroid Two because they have very similar names, and I'm not sure which is which, honestly. So uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's that. there's Metroid Two. Return of Samus and its remake, Metroid Samus Returns. <sighs> I'm sorry, I hate the way that that's titled so much. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> it bothers me so much. It is, um, it's confusing. <laughs> I've seen that flipped around more often than I, than I could count. I've probably done it before too, but I could, I have to say, probably there because I don't know for sure. I, I overall I appreciate how they were trying to play pay homage mm -hmm. to the original title. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, you know, help with the confusion. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, the original Metroid 2, what system was that for? Oh, that was the, uh, oh, the OG Game Boy. OG Game Boy, and then getting remade. That came out in 92. Yeah. <laughs> Older than me. <laughs> yeah, wow. I feel old. Cool. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, so we have the original on Game Boy, and then they remade it for 3DS. Now, I, again, I've never touched the original Metroid 2 because I instead went to the 3DS remake. And I feel like the answer is going to be pretty obvious, but uh, which which one's better? Amos returns. Uh, I would say the one that has the words returns and Samus in the title. <laughs> Thank you, Elias. It's uh, very helpful. Very helpful. Uh, yeah, obviously, obviously they remade. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> now, did the original Metroid Two was it just more of the same compared to OG Metroid One, or did it do something different? Things differently. Its level design was actually. It took things in a different direction from the original Metroid. Um. Did you say you've played Samus Returns? Uh, yes, I have. It's been a while, though. Okay, sure. So, you know the general shape of the of the entire world map in that one, right? Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like a big U. You go all the way down, and then you come back up mm -hmm. towards the end. Uh, and that's, that's like in stark contrast with the original Metroid's uh, map layout, which is sort of you have this big hub, and then you have a se second hub that has these areas that branch off of it and it's very sprawling uh whereas metroid 2 had more of that line that you just follow um mm -hmm. samus returns added teleporters that let you just zip back and forth between any areas but in the original game you actually had to like trek all the way back that line if you wanted to go backtrack and that's so gross I feel yeah, like it's something that um, a lot of Metroid games needed was fast travel, but I also feel like if it's done wrong, it kind of ruins the exploration. Kind of. That is one critique that I have for Samus Returns, that backtracking is trivialized a little too much. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Samus Returns map was expanded it's, quite a bit. It's so much bigger, yeah. It's, so it's, it's definitely the largest 2D map of any Metroid game. <clears throat> wow. Mm -hmm. I think... I I think I would have been happy with just fewer fast travel points. Mm. Just yeah. I mean Yeah, you don't need to get rid of the system entirely, but get, uh just cuz one of the things that I that you know, I like about Metroid games and Metroidvanias in general is learning the map, figuring out figuring out the fast routes to places um going a little bit off topic but i think the the game that i would compare the samus returns map to might be hollow knight just because both okay. of them are gigantic uh in, as far as their maps go and hollow knight has has a fast travel system but it's very sparse you still generally have to travel for a couple minutes to get where you're trying to go to if you uh if you, even if you're using the fast travel at the same time, though, because because in terms of size, sheer size, it's definitely comparable to Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight's yeah. map design itself, though, had the advantage of 
being more interconnected and being That's more true. sprawling, right? Hmm. Whereas it's more a method one style map. Faults, most of its faults were the faults of its predecessor, and it's very much more linear map design. So it didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to just put in shortcuts of interconnected areas. Like you couldn't find this, you know, power bomb revealed uh, uh, secret elevator in area one that connected you to area five, right? Because it didn't really work out that way because they were trying to follow the 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 map. I mean, they they could have. It is a U shape after all. They could have shoehorned a few of them in, but I think yeah. with the amount of areas they wanted to connect, right? They kind of settled on fast travel in part, I think because that's what sort of modern game design players were more used to. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see. I'm so curious to see how they're going to approach that if they are in prime four, but um, Same. Uh, yeah, like it, I, a, a, a lot of the, you know, we, we already talked about how we like zero mission better. Right. And I think um, that, yeah, like most of its major faults, which I don't think there were that many, um, but most of them were derived from trying to be faithful to the original Metroid 2, which I respect to to a large extent. That's fair. Um, yeah. One of the things that, for me, with um, Samus Returns is it's not just shooting, it's more physical because you have that parry system and it changes mm -hmm. the way that you interact with enemies instead of just, Oh, there's one over there. I shoot it. I move on. It, it turns it into a little bit of a waiting game. Sometimes uh, it, it, much more reaction based, much more frantic in a way. Um, mm -hmm. it, it makes every combat encounter feel more rewarding. And I think it really works for the first half of the game. But to me, every enemy, same parry, same basic principle behind it. It gets really old. And once you pass the halfway point of the game, for me, I tend to stop liking the uh, the parry system. I feel like I feel like it wears out its welcome and doesn't change up enough. Now, that's just from what I remember playing quite a while back. But that was something I really liked the parry system because I like Dark Souls. And it kind of reminded me of that a bit. I hate to compare it to Dark Souls because that's such a cliche thing to do. But just like the idea of yeah. waiting for an enemy to attack you and then you just boom you knock him away with something and then you get an extra hit in that does more damage or something like that i felt like it did it really well i just feel like it didn't really change as it went and i felt like that held it back in some parts it's the dark souls of metroid games yep uh, there it is <laughs> thank you elias <laughs> well so my i'm i'm with you in certain aspects certain regards of that um the parry mechanic is rewarding because it teaches you how to it teaches you to read the enemies and then react to them. Mm -hmm. um, and then where it fails is that it it really turns high level play into sitting and waiting for the enemy to do the shiny move that you can hit. Yeah. Uh, and kind of because of that, so. You, you you might be getting to this in a little bit. Samus Returns is not an easy game. Uh, I would say it probably has the highest skill ceiling. Relatively of the speaking. Entire, relatively speaking. Uh, it probably has the highest skill ceiling of any game in the series. Um, but once you figure out how to play it, once you hit that skill ceiling, nothing like apart from 
maybe a new boss showing up that you have to learn the moves for uh it's it kind of just like okay yeah every and then and then there's this and that uh i went directly from my first playthrough of the game into the fusion mode difficulty uh because i am a <laughs> shill and buy plastic toys um <laughs> uh oh, we're we gonna and, get to that <laughs> yeah we gonna yeah i'm sure uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the fusion mode difficulty, which is like there's a hard mode in the game, and then there's fusion mode, which is even harder because you take so much damage and uh, and all of this. And just playing it through the one time had beat into me enough that yeah, you stand there and you wait for the enemy to attack. You don't have anything to worry about. But it's like my fusion mode run was probably I probably finished faster than my first playthrough. Uh, just because like yeah they hit harder but if you don't get hit if you learned the bosses well enough your first time through that that you don't take damage then why do you care yeah and so uh it's more punishing when you do get hit but yeah it is not getting hit in the first place then right mm -hmm. and that reminds me of dark souls like like a one-to-one -one with dark yeah. souls which i find to be an interesting thing to do with a game that is run jump shoot Mm -hmm. yeah and and to 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 your point earlier about the uh the the parry i'm pretty sure it has a specific name that i'm forgetting at the moment but the the parry itself where it's it gets old for as long as the game runs mm -hmm. um it's it's one of the few abilities samus has in that game that is never upgraded really in any way Ooh, i feel like if true. it itself had adhered to the sort of metric progression formula of being upgraded and made you more unique and more special in some way, maybe in the second half of the game, once it started feeling old, then it would not have been as much of a problem. That would have been really good, actually. I was going to ask, do you think that there was anything they could have done to make it better? But you answered that on your own. <laughs> there we go. In terms of the very specifically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Now... We're not going to dive too much into all of the lore or we'll be here all night, but sure. Hit me. <laughs> correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but at the end of uh, Metroid 2 slash uh, Samus Returns, that's when we uh, that's when we meet the baby, isn't it? The very end, yes. That would be it. So not considering what it's going to turn into. And what it's going to do to the series later and the plot and all that good stuff. What did you think about a baby Metroid imprinting as far as it being a plot point in that game? It's interesting for both of us, I think, because it took so long for Sonic's Returns to come out. All we had <laughs> from that moment was the original Black Metroid 2 and then a little bit of prologue in the next game where it just depicted the same thing, but in 16 bit graphics. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, sure. You know, it, it drove the overall Metroid series plot forward. I didn't mind it too much. They justified it enough in my opinion for me to accept it. Um, it was not, it, it was the the baby 
was not a meme until a much later game that came out. Yeah, right, um, right. And so, you know, up until that point, it was just like a matter of fact, like, okay, sure, it, it, uh, it, uh, that's fine. It makes sense, kind of, if you don't think about it too much. <laughs> and we'll, 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 we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if, if your only interaction with that whole plot thread is the very end of Metroid 2, uh then it's like oh okay uh this one's my friend now <laughs> and uh it's like i can see it i could see maybe they 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 threw it in there as sort of a hook for hey how could we build off this next time mm -hmm. but it's it's as just a metroid 2 thing it's sort of just a big question mark like huh well i okay yeah, that happened. Yeah, and it's it's also if you, if you think about the larger context, right? Because Metroid Two, the the little you know precursor, Metroid Two says, "All right, we're tired of Metroids ruining the galaxy. Uh, commit genocide and kill them all." Samus. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. So she you agrees me? and decides to go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, she decides to go to the home planet and kills every last Metroid that her little ship detector or whatever detects. And then another one hatches, and it doesn't. It's not aggressive to her for some reason, which is completely new experience to her. Um, and so she's like, "Well, you know, maybe this is since it's not trying to immediately kill me, uh, can be maybe used for good." And and so it it. If you think about that larger context, it does make sense in a way. And I think that, you know, like I said, Metroid 2 was limited by the hardware limitations of, of the Game Boy. Um, Samus Returns, not so much, uh, at least in terms of what it could show. Uh, and I think it showed that that moment very well, right? Where in previous Metroid games up until that point, they had tried to show what Samus was thinking and some of the, the the logic behind her choices. Samus Returns, they did that. I don't think they show her face once, though. They You just look at her body language the entire time. And that same moment that's depicted in Samus Returns, I think even just by looking at her body language, because she like she's about to kill it. She's got her beam charged and pointed and ready to go. Um, and you can sort of just see from her body language that thought process of, well, maybe this one is okay because it, you know, it might work out. Like she takes a gamble there. That's a good thing too, because those crystal walls just passed there, but it never let her pass. Otherwise <laughs> <laughs> she'd still yeah, be stuck in the depths of SR388 if she hadn't grabbed that baby. Well, she she, she might've been able to backtrack all the way through that. <laughs> See, that's what the teleporters mm -hmm. were supposed to be for. Uh, so you yeah, can quickly uh, get the, out. The emergency yeah. escape. Yeah. <laughs> Good old, good old Chozo. <laughs> so, why is the baby Metroid so cute? These things are the the, the Metroid equivalent Let of me tell head you crabs. About Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um. Why come baby Metroid so kawaii desu? <laughs> Oh, that's oh that that opens up a can of worms. I Metroid is Metroid is in a unique position where it is predominantly directed and run by Japanese developers, um, with some exceptions. But they try to make it for a Western market because the Western market is where Metroid is most successful. 
and there's just some things that's lost in translation there sometimes. <laughs> uh, the Metroid design was, you know, from the 80s, iterated on a little bit, um, but, uh, you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta, when you call the series after a common enemy in the game, not the main character or anything, uh, <laughs> you have to do the Pikachu treatment, right? Where you got to make sure that that thing is, you know, logoable, marketable, cute in some yeah. way. And, you know, despite it being a hovering jellyfish that will instantly kill anything it touch, almost anything it touches. <laughs> and then when you make a baby version of it that you're not supposed to kill, even though you've done that to every single right. other one really of the species. Sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You take that dial and you crank it as far as it goes. <laughs> and you say this is the last one of its species. Oh. <laughs> That's how they get you. Oh, it's the last one. Oh, I have to love it then. Oh. <laughs> yep. It's nice. So with so with Metroid 2 and Samus Returns, where would you put it on the ranking scale? Can I just say before we, we rank it real quick, sure. um, one of the things I know that you've specifically not liked about uh, the remake and that I think is a, a part worthy of bringing up is one of the things that we've talked about, which most Metro games do well, of by the time you start backtracking, you feel super powerful mm -hmm. and you go, uh, you know, you're just like, oh, well, this is this is cool because I'm, you know, I'm now not worrying about things that used to be life and death situations, right? You don't get that effect as much in this game. Because mm -hmm. uh, you still have to that, wait. Well, Ugh. there's that. There's that mechanic. But but I think to a larger degree, uh, it there's the map design, right? Mm -hmm. Where because it's linear, for the most part, you can still backtrack easier now because of the teleporters and everything. Um, but, you know, to progress along the game, right, It's it's a line, right? And so you can just follow that line. And because, like, you get the screw attack, right? Screw attack, traditionally an item that just basically is supposed to activate god mode, right? Where you're just like, yeah, I got this now. I'm unstoppable. I touch an enemy and it dies. And then you get to the next area. You touch an enemy with screw attack and it doesn't die immediately, right? You bounce off of it. That's never happened before. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's, you know, because you're not going back through area one as soon as you get through get through the screw attack right where you would touch an enemy and it would instantly die right you there's no reason to go back in this game because of the linear map design it's one of the the main reasons i i perhaps unfairly uh critique more linear metro games more than non-linear metro games because that effect is lessened i think and that's i think a staple feeling of I the agree. metroid series i agree it is a very important thing in the Metroid series because when you think Metroid, you think about starting small and just becoming more and more powerful. But uh, talking about what, you know, you get the screw attack and immediately in the next area you're hitting enemies with it, but you bounce off. Uh, it's it's like you never feel like you're getting upgrades because the enemies are upgrading yeah. with you. And it, I think it does take away from that feeling of you being a badass. It's just, oh, cool, this item, I bet it's not going to do anything for me. And it really doesn't. It's just a puzzle solver rather than a combat enhancer. There's no inherent sense of relief 
yeah. if that happens as much in Summoner's turns, where it's just one challenge. Okay, now I'm in the next area. Oh, they've matched me already. I'm just going to yep. keep plugging away until yeah. all, you get to all these areas. Where in other Metroid usually, games, yeah. No, I was just saying, usually that relief comes in like the five, ten minutes past when you get the item, and then you're right back to having to fight for your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like in, in, in that kind of a progression, right, especially for like a, a if you're playing it for an extended period of time, right, um, that kind of sense of relief is is important, right, because it contributes to all those feelings that we've talked about, not just in Metroid but in all, you know, right. games like that. Right. Anything else you guys wanted to add for Metroid 2 or Samus Returns? I guess what I would say, it sounds like we're being really harsh on Samus Returns. Uh, I still really like the game. Uh, it's a good game. Uh, I like playing it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the problems that we have with it are like nitpicks compared to most other things. Others. Uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, I guess since we're also talking about Metroid two, um, it's fine. <laughs> uh, the Metroid 2 has the honor of uh, introducing the innovation of the uh, crouch stance to the series. Uh, you don't press down a single time to enter Morph Ball now. You have to press it twice because there is a crouch in between. Uh <laughs> it was also the first Metro game to have save stations yes, six years later. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, save stations. Energy refill. Uh, when you died, you started at full health and not 30. Yep. <laughs> for some reason. These great, these brilliant innovations that they have on the, for this Game Boy game. Um yeah, so yeah uh, it, it, did, it did come for its time, you know. Yeah. Uh, it did improve upon the formula. Yeah, they, they, they did what they could with the way of Super Metroid, but. Mm. <laughs> well, the, the hardware leap wasn't as huge between the NES and the Game Boy. Uh, yeah. In, in certain, like, they in had certain, to remove color for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. In, in certain aspects, it was a step backwards. Like, uh, the, original, uh, the original Metroid 2 the the actual uh screen space is so much smaller uh because just be, because uh you know you can't do you didn't have as many pixels on the screen uh and so you know on the bright side samus is big easy to keep track of on the on on the downside uh things scroll off the screen quite quickly and they don't exist when they're off the screen so <laughs> Yeah. They're instantly vaporized from memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. It, it it sounds to me like from a technical standpoint it went backwards, but from a mechanical standpoint it went forward. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That's that's the jump from the nest to the Game Boy, right? Yeah. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's being a game that came out six years later. So Yeah. <clears throat> so Okay, I think we're done. <laughs> so for yeah. original Metroid 2, where would you rank it? Essential, recommended, optional, or no? I would I would say optional, but less so than the original Metroid. 
Okay. Yeah. Optional. I'd give it optional. I think I didn't play it, through and beat that game until until you were forced to when you're at a marathon. Oh, forced to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because it's, no one else wanted to take it. I, I feel like it's and not. He a, was our cleanup guy. <laughs> Poor Elias. I feel like it's not like a bad game or anything, and it did have a lot of improvements over the first, but you still have that issue of this is a really old game, and mm-hmm. it has yeah. a remake that's going to tell a similar story. Uh, there are some old games that age well, and the first two Metroids are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of aging well, the remake, where would you rank that? I would call it recommended. But not essential. No, I would I, I would say recommended. I would list it as essential, just because the things that it adds to... This, the, the things that Metroid 2 adds to the series are very adequately summarized in every other game that needs to know those things. Mm-hmm. Its That's main right, addition so... to the series as a whole was plot, mm-hmm. which is crammed into the end. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. And then is recapped in the next game, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. I would, I would say also recommended, but I don't think I would recommend it as strongly as the two of you do because I do have a lot of nitpicks with it. It's again not a bad game, but it gets to sure. me a bit. Uh, that's it also that's interesting. The remake in particular, it also suffered from the same phenomenon that Super Metroid did, despite the fact that Super Metroid was, you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but. Um, it came out at the end of a hardware life cycle, oh. right? On the 3DS, right? The Switch was already released <laughs> when this when this game came out, right? And so the 3DS was winding out, but they had already developed it for the 3DS. They weren't, you know, cutting off 3DS yet. And so uh, it was just like, okay, people enjoyed it for what it was, but they were too busy wishing it was on the Switch because they had already been spoiled on the Switch with Switch games. Yep. And so they're just like, why was this not on the Switch? Um, Super Metroid, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, came out towards the, tw- not at the end, but towards the end of the Super Met of the Super Nintendo, and so it, it experienced a similar effect, but not quite as severe from uh, Samus Returns. Sorry, I had to sneeze. Oh. <laughs> I love that touch sensitive part on my mic. I can like brush my finger across. Uh, well, it would be the top, but I've got my mic upside down the, uh, the bottom of my <laughs> mic and it just automatically mutes it. So that way nobody has to hear me sneeze in their faces. Lovely. Nice. But faces. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that's an interesting thing. And it's something that Shona just mentioned in chat, you know, talking about wishing it was on switch. Do you think it would have been a significantly more successful game? Had it been on switch? Yeah. If if you're measuring success by like sales, mm-hmm. yeah. which most people do, then yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, yeah. wasn't cuz I know 3DS games typically end up launching at what like $40 something like that? Mhm. Uh, 40 bucks. Yeah, but if they had put it on Switch, it would likely have been 60. I wonder yeah. if the game would have had enough going for it to warrant people paying an extra $20 for it. Well, I mean, if they had decided to make it for Switch, right, the graphics would have been upgraded. They might have made it even bigger than it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, there, there would have been some some improvements because the Switch hardware is quite a leap from the 3DS, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, it might have merited I, the extra twenty bucks, but maybe we'll see. Whenever. Yeah, uh, I think, I think the dev time that you would lose to making things, uh, I don't know, bigger and higher res would be offset by the dev time that you lost on the 3DS having to make things smaller and more restricted. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, I, I can't say. I haven't worked. I haven't made anything for the 3DS before. <laughs> but I would what imagine... Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing. But I would imagine that um, if you've ever made a game for a co- for a home console and then you have to go make something for a handheld, uh, there are things you have to learn that's that may be counterintuitive. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, uh, and you know that's one of the things that Nintendo does a lot is throw things out on their handheld consoles that I feel should have ended up on con- on proper home TV based consoles instead. And, you know, it, not to say that the games are bad that end up on handheld stuff, but I just, I get why they do it. I do, mm-hmm. but yeah. I prefer console stuff, especially because I find the 3DS to be an incredibly uncomfortable system to play, especially for long periods. But that's just me. Fortunately, yeah. we're probably poised now with the Metroid series to where they've only got one console to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And if they decide to split them off again, then we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I, I've always been a big handheld. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I prefer handhelds, but I definitely appreciated them just because growing up, I was the hey, get in the back of the car. We have to go to this place because reasons, and that gave me something to do. Right. Yeah. As long as I ha- remembered yeah. to bring my headphones. <laughs> or a warm light. Remember those things? Oh gosh! Sure yeah. Pokemon <laughs> yellow the crap out of that warm light. <laughs> and I, I have friends who uh, lived and died by the uh, the screen magnifier. Oh, I hated those yeah. things. Yeah, and I never got it because they they, they were always bad. They yeah. always bent the picture. Yeah, it was like warped on the edge. I hated it. An extreme CRT effect on a Game Boy. <laughs> yeah. Like my would you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Shona's with me on that one. They were so bad. Yeah. I didn't so, even know they existed until like years later. That used one and I'm just like, you like this? And you're like, yeah, you want to try? I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay. You know what? Actually, I think, I think my friend who was the biggest, uh, the biggest fan of the screen magnifier also was my one Sega game gear fan. And that system mm. did have a stupidly small screen. So you kind of, it was kind of a required accessory for that. Yeah. And it would get you used Even to it, using it. Yeah. yeah that, the only system I think I used a magnifier on was the Engage. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that was a thing. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, Metroid 3 or what most people know it as, Super Metroid. You can tell because it was super. Yeah, like... uh, Quite super. Yeah, that was Nintendo's favorite buzzword, super. For years, it literally was. (laughs) I'm shocked they didn't call Link to the Past Super Zelda. (laughs) Oh, no. Or real. Oh, that would be terrible, actually. What a bad name. The Thank Super you, Legend you know, of Zelda. 
something. <laughs> Honestly, the 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 only real plus I could say for Metroid having skipped an entire console generation is that we never had to get Metroid sixty four. Oh, because that would have been oh, an obnoxious wow. title. Not only it that, but like that would have been a bad game. I think just like <laughs> I I picture it like trying to be like picture everything that you didn't like about Samus Returns, and that would have been Metroid sixty four scaled down in terms of hardware and graphics. Yeah. Oh. I, oh. It would be like Metroid Prime, but unsmooth. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I don't even think they would have done like first person or anything. Like they would have like tried to keep it side scroll, but like 64, you know, Samus made of 14 polygons and, (laughs) you know, you can't see where you're jumping because the, you know, CRT effect. It would have, yeah. As, (laughs) As much as, you know, I would like to, it's, yeah. R.I.P. the game that never was Metroid 64. <laughs> yeah, back to Super Metroid. <laughs> so, yeah. So, oh, is that where we were? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, dying over here thinking about Metroid 64. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Join the club. Ooh, thank you for the rip. I appreciate it. Uh, so with Super Metroid, I that feel was like Metroid 64 for you, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> I feel like Super Metroid was a lot of people's first Metroid game. And I feel like that's why a lot of people love it the way that they do. Much in the way of A Link to the Past. It was a lot of people's first Zelda game. Because it was on the Super Nintendo, which was... I would assume... A big deal. Yeah, I would assume it was significantly more popular than the NES. Just Uh, based on game sales and stuff. From a certain perspective. Hmm. Console sales, the NES was groundbreaking, but you know, oh, yeah. from that point, yeah. Uh, now, what do you think, not counting the remakes, only looking at the original Metroids 1 and 2, what did Super Metroid do to make the, the series so much better, to bring it from being this weird, blocky game to a proper series that would continue on for years, because a lot of people look at Super Metroid as the true start, so to speak. So, what did they do? A map. A map. Yeah. <laughs> a map. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, a mini map. Mm. Yeah. Oh. oh, chef's kiss. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you look at that map now, that Super Metroid map now, it's horrible. But you know what? It was there. And I appreciated uh-huh. it. <laughs> <laughs> it did its job. Yep. <laughs> and it's the one reason to play the first two games. I have to pull up maps on the internet to this day. I'm like, all right, where am I? Where am <laughs> yeah. I going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, do you think that they didn't include maps in the original game because of hardware limitations or because that was just something they didn't really think about at the time? Almost definitely. For the first almost one, almost def- definitely. Um, they had probably conceptualized it by the second one, I mm. would have imagined, because the second one only came out two years before Super Metroid. Um, but yeah, they, they would, there was no way they would have been able to do that on the Game Boy. Well, I mean, neither of those games had pause screens. Think oh, about uh, that. The, both of them. The, the second one technically did. 
when you hit the start button, it just froze everything. Yeah, and the text said paused or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> pause functionality. <laughs> it had pause functionality. It, uh, it, it had a status indicator, I guess you could call it. But yeah, neither yeah. of those games had pause screens. And a, a live minimap, uh, I, I get the impression, would have been a lot to do uh at the very least, it would have been too much for Metroid 2's UI to handle. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the list goes on, right? Uh, I, I, I mean about maps, but like the start screen, right? Seeing Samus's abilities, being able to toggle them, toggle different beam combinations. That, that hasn't come back. Part, it hasn't even come back, really. <laughs> um, uh, the just sheer like map, like compare the first two games to super metroid and that was the like expansive map even though by today's standards super metroid's map is not as big as modern uh metroidvanias but it was like this is the open world that's what they would have considered open world back then um the map was so well designed and interconnected to where as progression you could just go through old areas just willy-nilly and open new doors and new pathways um the well, abilities compared... that they gave yeah, samus we... yeah <laughs> you compared the uh the map to like other metroidvanias of, of of the right now but i mean until samus returns it still had the largest map of the 2d metroid games well yeah i don't yeah, zm well. doesn't eclipse it i don't think fusion eclipsed it i'm not sure um... about fusion um yeah it's it's uh it's that and then just the, the the abilities like there's so many new abilities that showed up in super metroid super missiles there's another super thanks snes um <laughs> the speed booster and shine spark ability power bombs um, glad it wasn't super bombs space jump wall jumping um so many so many little things so not um, just from a technical level but from a mechanical level, it was just a completely different beast. It was that much of an improvement. And I, I feel like that's that's what makes me say that they were thinking about these things even as early as before Metroid 2, right? Because as much as they added in Super Metroid, they had to have been planning that sort of stuff and were just waiting for the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they... <laughs> They they milked the SNES for everything they could get out of it. I think for that for that game outside of like you know VFX three whatever, but um, they 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 didn't hold back when when putting that game together. So I that has been uh, yeah, it's it's obviously you know for for various reasons not my favorite game, but yeah, it is definitely probably the most important Metroid game to have ever come out, even above like Prime. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, something you actually mentioned earlier was how floaty it was and how that floatness, is that even a word floatness? Uh, it is now. <laughs> uh, buoyancy. Yeah, Air, oh. airborne buoyancy. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but taking that and, and. I wish I was airborne buoyant in real life. <laughs> but how it. Um, how it didn't age well necessarily. Why do you think that is like, was it purely because they made it better later 
or that as a mechanic it was inherently flawed and would slowly just be outclassed by other games other genres completely or was it just because we got better metroid games I uh, I think it was just the beginning of an iterative process, right? You mm-hmm. know, some people, uh, how you talked about, consider that like the the birth of current Metroid, excluding you know Prime titles, because um, because yeah, they 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 added so much and established so much in that game. Like Fusion, they tweaked more, and Zero Mission, they tweaked more. Simon's Returns, they tweaked more. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I it, it was a, it was a first draft, right? Um, and I think that they they learned from it and continued to uh, build upon that as the years, literal years, went on. And that's why Zero Mission was so good because that's they had perfect, that first yes. draft and they were <laughs> able to build upon it and have their their final copy ready to turn in by the time Zero Mission <laughs> came along. <laughs> To be fair, they had dealing with a smaller map. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, as far as the floatiness goes, one of the things I mentioned about Metroid 2 was uh, how large Samus is on the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, I pulled up a screenshot of Super Metroid just because I wanted to make sure I'm not crazy. Um, Samus is like two and a half, two to two and a half tiles high. And it looks like the screen only actually has what three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. nine, ten. Like ten tiles. Nice. It's only like ten tiles tall. Mm-hmm. So um I feel like I feel like the that floatiness, that jump speed might have just been to keep things from scrolling in too fast and giving the player time to react. Mm-hmm. And also probably the hardware. If the if you'd jumped or fallen any faster it might have not have time to uh to figure out yeah, what's how, supposed to be there because how many tiles wide is that screen uh much wider um this is the part where we do 16. math <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah the 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 aspect ratio was more widescreen for games like fusion and zero mission right so you have more time to look at things from coming from the side and some is shorter in there to where you know things are scaled down a little bit and so you can get away with going a little faster and you have more time to optimize that so yeah these are you know all all contributing factors to the buoyancy well and also part of it is the uh um the ui in super metroid is a big black bar at the top of the screen whereas uh the games past that uh have the icons just overlaid on top of the world And so that's part of what help what um, squishes mm. the aspect ratio for the actual game world. But uh, <clears throat> so yeah, just I don't know a couple, a couple, I don't know, deeper down ideas as to why things might work in Super Metroid the way that they do, even if it's not how we would like them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the, the defenders of Super Metroid you'll get, it, I, even though we're like coming off partially as defenders, right? We, we weren't, I'm pretty sure this is true for Gendrevis. We weren't playing Metroid at the time of Super Metroid's release, right? We were just a little too young. Um, 
And so we don't have as much of a nostalgic connection to that game as the people who were, right? And, you know, some of them have played it since, some of them, you know, haven't, Ocarina of Time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, sort of, the sort of connection there, you, you remember it being like this, this masterpiece, which in many ways it still is. Um, but uh, the, it, it shows its age still, not nearly as much as the games that came before it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I still don't mind playing Super Metroid at all but uh, I might mind playing the first two. Um, so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's all relative what we're talking about here, right? Super Metroid is a, is a great game. It's a great Metroid game. Um, there, there, it was just, you know, the first draft of some of the things that they iterated on later in later games. You, know, you were talking about, you know, buoyancy, and it just keeps making me think of there was. the uh, yeah. Uh, it makes me think of the water sections in Super Metroid and how they're probably my least favorite part of the game because of how ridiculously slow you move, and yet the game still acts like it wants you to move precisely when you can do that a lot less because of how extra slow and floaty it is in those areas. Am I the only one that feels this way that the water sections are just complete dog shit? Um. <laughs> no. No. As an answer to your question, no. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not I the will only one. make the the slight defense that that's one of the first drafts. Um, yeah. That uh, has not very well been as iterated on. Like even in the prime games, like it's a little bit of a slog to 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 go through underwater before you get the suit that just negates it turns completely. it off yeah, it just turns the water off uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um I, it was it was another instance of you know metroid and nintendo trying something different right of just like looking at the underwater levels of mario and thinking how can we you know try this in metroid well with this you know metallic suit you know she wouldn't move very well until she gets the upgrade that lets her do move very well uh they sort of did a similar experiment with the grapple beam in Super Metroid, very physics-based sort of uh, mm-hmm. thing there that can get unwieldy, very unwieldy at times. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that that was just one of the things. Thankfully, uh, not so much in the case of the grapple beam, but with the water, um, there's an item you get later that just ne- negates its effects completely, and you just you know move as floaty as you can in the air. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's. Uh, we I, I've lost I've lost many of Super Metroid player to Meridia, um, and uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's one of the later areas for a reason. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Unless um, it unless wants you to get hooked on the game and commit to it first. Whereas if they had made Meridia the first level, you'd be like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, I was gonna say, unless you uh, pop that tube and get stuck, I've you can, uh, get out of that. you can get out of that. It's harder than it should be. It's yes. a lot harder. I, I think the first time I popped the tube uh, and then dropped down there, I thought I had soft locked myself. Uh, I was having so much trouble getting out of there. Granted, this is like. I don't know, probably 15, 16 year old me. 
bad at video games me uh <laughs> well i mean to be fair not you know it, it is bad. it is oddly precise when yeah. you're in the water and it, it shouldn't be but it is well you kind of have to retrain your timing of things right yeah. because the physics are totally different right not totally but different enough to where you just have like what i'm just used to doing just not cut it here yeah i've got to just pay more attention now and figure out when to you know everything so now it's funny you mentioned that it's one of the later parts in the game because super metroid has a little something something that makes that a bigger problem uh it has a rando and you can end up going there <laughs> so, significantly so early don't remind me that and those exist. Now, be okay, but I don't even want to think about old Metroid 1 and 2s being randomized. But I feel it's like... <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. I feel like Super Metroid's rando is one of the really popular randos. Like, there's a lot of randos out there that people just haven't heard of because they're not as popular. Uh, but I feel like Super Metroid is one of the, like, top 10 uh, played randos out there. And... It's definitely the top Metroid rando, and yeah, you're probably right in the top ten randos, period. Yeah, it's it's definitely popular randomizer. rando. Yeah, yes, yeah, so randomizer is the, yeah, yeah. And I do feel, though, that given the type of game that Metroid is, it's really good for randomizing, and I think it does work mm -hmm. really well, but of course, when you have to go to the water place early, uh, that's less good. Uh, but it is worth mentioning that I, I don't know that I'd call it a pioneer of randos or anything like that, but I feel like it is one of the more important randos out there. Well, it's, 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 it's map design and it's sort of base format lends itself better for randomization, right? Yeah, exactly. You look at something like Metroid Fusion, right? <laughs> There's no rando for that. Why? It's so linear. It's nearly impossible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, because Super Metroid is a time-tested thing and, you know, what's probably the most popular randomizer linked to the past on the same system, a lot of the same devs familiar with doing stuff. It was one of the earlier ones to come out. A lot of the same people who like to play Link to the Past, some of them like to play Super Metroid. And so uh, it's, uh, yeah, it had, it had, it checked a lot of green boxes as early as possible and uh, sort of catapulted itself up there. And there's even a rando that combines those two games that you were talking about. I actually haven't played. Metroid. I actually mm -hmm. haven't played the uh, solo Super Metroid randomizer. I've only played the Link to the Past cross <laughs> Super Metroid randomizer. Um, what is wrong I, with you? <laughs> I screwed that. Uh, and about five or ten minutes in, I remembered that I don't know as much about Link to the Past as I like to think I do. <laughs> So chat got me through that game. This uh, is why people co-op that particular. Yeah, there, combo. there were <laughs> there were uh, a couple specific people whose names I would shout anytime that I was confused. Uh, yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> no doubt. I uh, I myself I haven't messed with it because I don't know either game well enough. Uh, Elias had me do a Super Metroid rando after I played Me Super Metroid once. I would not recommend that to anybody. Yeah. You uh, you need a lot of experience to know where certain things are and what items you need to get there. And I did not, and it was a nightmare. 
Yeah, I, that, that doesn't surprise me. I've never done a Super randomizer, but it also doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, have you not? I no. thought it was a ran- I thought it was a rando race that you and Saturnot did where he got horribly horribly No, that was just regular Super Metroid. <laughs> that was just regular Super Metroid where he that got stuck for life in Meridia. Okay. Casual yeah. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Now because we had both not played that game in years. Legends say he's still there to this day. <laughs> well, in fact he is cuz he gave up. <laughs> I don't blame him. I would have too. That place is just <laughs> awful awful now there is something that super metroid did that i don't know that it was the first game to do it but it did it in such a beautiful and impressive way uh it has multiple endings and uh <laughs> and uh so i have to ask uh save the animals or kill the animals uh, oh, death to cannon and the animals. Oof. <laughs> save. You have to save the animals. Oh, that's the cannon ending. Got to get that extra pixel in the in the ending. <laughs> in the ending cutscene. Yep. Got to yeah, kill his... the animals. Save the frames. <laughs> and it's interesting you bring up the multiple ending thing too, because technically the first Metroid, original Metroid, had multiple endings based off of the time it took for you to beat the game. Um, it was as simple as what was revealed about the main character, right? Mm-hmm. You either continued thinking they were a cyborg, as the instruction manual led you to believe, or it was a surprise to everyone, oh, you were playing as a woman the entire time. So Shocking. I guess now's a good time. Yeah, I guess now's a really good time to like talk about that. Uh, I was wondering when we were going to get to it, but... That was probably very unexpected. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, I feel like that was probably a very unexpected thing because of just a product of the times. You know, nowadays we have a lot of games with with strong female leads and stuff like that. uh, But that wasn't really a thing back in the uh, back in the 80s when video games were still fresh and new. So. Trying to think of how to to word this. How do you think? <laughs> how do you think the reveal of Samus being a woman shaped the future of the series, if at all? Do you think people really gave a shit, or do you think that that was at the time seen as a negative thing, or do you think that that gave them more to build with over time that eventually made the series better for it? Honestly, I don't think it shaped the series nearly as much as it shaped video games as a whole. That's a fair Uh, answer. Because to your point, right? Like video games were for boys, little boys at the time, right? Um, And you're playing as a girl while while you're thinking you're this cool robot the entire time. uh, And it turns out you're not. And um, then eventually, like the chest brought up, you have uh, figures like Lara Croft that show up and and just compound upon that uh, further. But it, 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 shocked some people i mean again we were not around back then but just from reading about how people reacted to it at the time there was reactions yeah um and i think they led the path of video games uh for the better because they were just like wow okay now that you know people have accepted that and still play metroid after they realized they were playing as a girl maybe we can just 
make video games where you know you're playing as a girl and you just you know keep doing that right and uh so i think it was an it was an important step um i agree it, it kind of like reminds yeah, me of like hundreds of years ago when women would write books but they were afraid to put their names on the books so they would use pseudonyms yeah. or or have other people exactly. publish them under their names because oh a woman wrote this i'm not going to read that again you know a product of the time probably more about jk rowling okay (laughs) (laughs) well i mean no but that is the reason that she went by jk because like she uh she didn't want people to on looking at the cover realize that it was a book written by a woman and yeah like that you know i was thinking like books that were like written really 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 long time ago like over a hundred years ago and and yet and you bring up the point exactly you bring the point that that's still a thing even today to a degree not as Mm -hmm. you know not as much as as it was back then but the fact that it's still here and still a thing and i feel like with metroid doing that and revealing that at the end of the first game uh, like elias said i think that it was an important step uh to getting rid of that so to speak yeah and in, in terms of how it affected the Metroid series in particular, right? That was the first game, right? And so even though the instruction booklet was misleading, in fact, they might not have just told the marketing people at all what was really going on there. Um, they, uh, it, it didn't affect things too much uh, outside of just like what was told in the instruction booklet. They started referring to Samus as a her now. Mm-hmm. Um uh and until you know you got to uh where hardware hardware let you show her face uh outside of just like the ending reveal sprite right um and then eventually you know you get whole uh story driven games that that uh, where that's a factor right so um eventually yeah it, it it is one of the the core things about the series and um uh, but I, I definitely do think it it's uh, probably affected its its long lasting effects was on video games as a whole more so than just the series because it's just now a fact of the Metroid series. Yeah. Now, speaking of Super Metroid, uh, and you know we we've talked about a lot of the stuff and and how it has, you know, it was the first draft, which means that it has shaped the future of the series. With that in mind, I feel like I know what the answer is going to be, but essential, recommended, optional, or no. I'll start this time and say absolutely essential. Uh, not, I wouldn't say that it's the most essential to play, but I would call it essential for sure. Yeah, I would say essential if you're looking to play the Metroid series, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of when you play it, that's where it gets murkier for me, though. That's because, fair. Because, like, if you're used to kind of, kind of like what we talked about, right? We say start with Zero Mission, and then you go and play Super Metroid. <laughs> oh God, this just feels old and clunky and weird. And yep. but at the same time, like, so it's it's weird. But overall, yeah, I agree. Essential. Yeah, I'd say essential as well for a lot of the same reasons. Uh... And with a lot of the same caveats, uh, some of the things that like we didn't talk about uh, are like 
uh, are things that I still think that Super Metroid does uh, really, really well. It, the way that it introduces its secret abilities to you uh, is uh, like no other no other game in the in, in the series has done things like that either. Uh, we mentioned, I mean, we mentioned the animals uh, earlier, but those animals exist to teach you that uh shine sparking and wall jumping are in the game which they're they're not in the instruction manual they're not uh they're not like signposted by special blocks or anything like that required to beat the game at all yeah you don't need it to beat the game at all but if you accidentally fall into this pit then some cute little monkey people will jump up the wolf will motion to you and then they'll bounce off the walls uh and maybe you'll get the point that uh, you should follow them. You should do what they're doing. Uh, Emphasis on maybe. <laughs> maybe. And then there's, there's these little dragon ostriches that like <laughs> that, that 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 start running and they glow and you're like, hey, I can do that too. And then they zip direct straight upwards after crouching and you're like, wait, those are all things I can do too. Uh, and it's like, uh. Gonna go back for a moment to Samus Return uh Samus Returns because that game also introduced a new secret ability mm-hmm. with absolutely no signposting. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that kind of bugs me about the design for it. Um plug your ears if you don't want to know about the secret ability with no signposting, <laughs> but if you are spider-balling onto a wall. And you drop a power bomb, then it launches you in a straight line um, uh, while in the morph ball to the opposite, just until you hit a wall. Um, and that's required in order to 100% the game. But like I said, there's nothing like uh, the Etacoons and Decoras, which are the animals, uh, are in Super Metroid. There's nothing like that in Samus Returns to sort of say, hey, you should think about using these abilities in conjunction because you'll figure out something new. Um, it's all just start pushing buttons in the place that looks like you might need things until something happens. Uh, yeah. Which is a long-winded way of saying I think Super Metroid <laughs> does things real good. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in the ways that it does things. Yeah. No, that's You're actually a really good, good point. Metroid. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really good point. I remember getting stuck in that pit because I couldn't get the timing of the wall jumps just right. Uh, and I remember getting stuck because uh, I kept trying to do the, uh, the the shine spark and I just couldn't quite get the timing right on it. But I do find mm-hmm. it interesting that the game does really, really well at teaching you by showing you rather than stopping the game. I mean, like, did you know that you can hold right on the D-pad and like doing it like that? Uh, it, it teaches you. Yeah, exactly. My name is let me tell you about the controls for this game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It does it in a more natural way. And it it's almost like it teaches you by giving you a puzzle to solve. And so that means that mm-hmm. learning the game not only feels more natural, but it feels rewarding that you learned something, something unique, something interesting, and something optional too, because you don't need it. And I mm-hmm. think that's really neat. Another reason that I feel like it's essential. And if you never get it, you just reset and go start from your last save. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Now, I'm sure Elias is very happy that we're about to move on to uh, 
I love talking about Metroid. It's my favorite series. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're about to talk about Prime 1. Because uh, this is where we went from 2D to 3D. And... That's not where I thought this was going, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. <laughs> uh, don't worry. We're, we're not skipping Fusion or anything. Uh, we're uh, we're going to come back to that. Uh, and I have reasons. But, uh, so Prime 1. It... It took the series from being a 2D side-scrolling type layout and it took it to 3D. And I've seen a lot of series do that and do it really wrong and really bad. Thank you, man. And <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like Metroid did it right. And I feel like even though they had a weird controller to work with, uh relatively speaking and uh, look okay it's the gamecube controller okay <laughs> look it, it's my favorite controller yeah well <laughs> i'm sorry it's weird okay and it's because of the c stick in my opinion but that's conversation for another day yeah I mean, it had the good triggers don't get me wrong but different but fine it, it, i'm sorry okay it's weird it's not bad but it's weird i'm shaped different am i weird to you <laughs> i'm a ball <laughs> <laughs> but uh i feel like prime one would have been like the design that they came up with prime one could have been a really good uh twin stick um shooter but they didn't do that they went uh, they went with like a visor system that lets you kind of like lock on and strafe um, and you hold a button to switch the way that you move, uh, which speedrunning takes advantage of that in full force, which is fascinating. Uh, but I feel like their decision to make it a single stick rather than dual stick was probably the right decision for the style of game that Metroid was, because I feel like if people thought it was too much like, quote unquote, every other shooter it would have been disliked quite a bit because of it okay so let me break apart what you just talked about um <clears throat> halo and metro prime came out around the same time hmm. halo was an fps by every measure of the genre metroid despite its obvious similarities to that genre not exactly an fps right it mm -hmm. it aims for you essentially right right, right. um lock on shoot <laughs> it's 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 pretty much just a first person platformer with shooting um and so they definitely kept that in mind with the controller now that said obviously dual analog is a standard now right it was not a standard back then halo helped create that standard right which again came out around the same time so they had no real standard to work off of. Everyone was doing their own thing and figuring their own stuff out. It was the Wild <laughs> West back oh, then. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think considering that, they came up with something pretty decent, especially considering the fact that they, at some point in the development process, decided they wanted you to toggle between the beams, which is great, yep. and between visors. And in order to do that with the controller they had, they had to use the C and the D-pad um, to do those things, you know, the way they wanted to do that which it meant single stick movement yeah um and they they obviously made that as intuitive as they could with uh triggers doing different things um to assist you in that um 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, given, given the circumstances of the time, it was a product of the time. And, uh, I think with that in mind, the controls they came up with for the year 2002, uh, did well, they did what they did well. Yeah. And, you know, even if they had just straight copied Halo and went, oh yeah, uh, twin stick, this is fine. I feel like even they had nothing to copy. Right, right. Had they, <laughs> had they though, had they, had they looked at like something like Halo, uh, just, just like if they had decided maybe, uh, instead of, uh, they had a Z... at Bungie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's say that, um, they made it to where, uh, you know, if you tap Z, it gives you your map, but if you hold Z, um, it switches, uh, instead of your C, uh, stick choosing the beam, like if you hold Z, suddenly that C stick is now switching your visors. It would, um, well, we'll say D pad instead. Cause it, yeah. So that would give you both sticks to shoot with. If they had created that and it, you know, right around the time halo came out, they would have been viewed as competition with each other. But as things are now, since it's not, they're not, they don't really get compared with each other, even though they're technically both first person shooters. And I feel like even though they could have made it a twin stick shooter, the fact that they didn't, I feel like the game is better for it, despite the fact that twin stick shooters are the standard now. Yeah, and uh, they they were compared I, a lot back then. Sorry, a lot. Ahead. It's yeah. just like I'm honestly nervous about uh, Prime Four coming mm. out on the Switch, uh, just because. I mean, I love I love the GameCube. Uh, the GameCube's uh, control style. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Elias and I both speedrun Metroid Prime. Mm. Uh, we're we're not like top X. I don't even <laughs> speak but, to yourself, like... Andrevis. <laughs> all right, fine, fine. Tell me your SRL rank- ranking, and I'll uh, and I'll bow to you. But uh... <laughs> all right. Uh, Nintendo and I'm not allowed on SRL. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, it, it's like I think I th- to sort of jump forward a little bit, you know, that the Prime series eventually goes to the Wii and gets pointer controls. You could do something like that on the Switch, but uh like I want my old GameCube controls back. Mm-hmm. I really want that, but I also know deep in my heart that if they do decide to make it entirely controller based, oh, they're going dual analog all the way, and it hurts me deep inside to to, to think that. I mean, at the same time, though, if they do go control based, they could offer classic controls options, right? That would essentially mirror as best they could, you know, the GameCube, because you can still more or less do that on a modern controller. Um, Yeah, my worry is how is the parody between the two it's like would it feel like a completely different game switching between the two would you need to take different design choices because i mean that's for them to figure out sure right right this is this isn't us for armchair designers to (laughs) to come up with the 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 things nintendo needs to do what if nintendo is wrong if they don't do it the way that i'm saying right now (laughs) uh but no one of the interesting things about metroid prime uh, so because you, ha- in order to look up, you need to be holding still, uh, because pressing the R button in order to unlock your, uh, your camera, mm-hmm. uh, means that your one analog stick is now not moving your feet. Uh, 
because of that, they actually made the conscious design choice to put most enemies pretty much at your eye level. It's like you have flying pirates who will come in from above and then hang out, hang out around like in front of you in your vision uh, so that you can lock onto them without having to stop and look up and around. Uh, and it's like, and and then so, uh, piggybacking off that though, the, the enemies that are not there, you usually hear beforehand, right? Somewhere absolutely. in the room where you stop and look around and it gives they're usually like flying in from a specific spot to another specific spot. So you have time to look around and, and do something like that. Basically, uh, pixel hunt mechanics from certain other games but done much better <laughs> yeah the pixel hunts that's <clears throat> yeah we'll get there <sighs> so <laughs> yeah uh all right sorry if i made you just throw up in your mouth a little bit just a little just it was just bile it's fine we'll be fine uh so for the control style of it you know we were talking about that and in the metroid prime trilogy it gave it motion controls pointing controls um which one do you think is better, the the GameCube controls or the Wii controls? Elias and I, <laughs> Elias and I speed run the game, so we have to go GameCube one hundred percent. If if you were just playing, I'm going to speak for him on this one because I know his brain. <laughs> that's said though, that's said though. I I highly respect what the trilogy controls did, right? Because it's Absolutely. essentially a blend of dual analog with motion controls, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I think a lot of new players in series, if they can stand motion controls at all. They typically agree that uh, the 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 B controls um, for trilogy are pretty intuitive mm. for the most part, um, and so uh, yeah, like I I like them both, but for personal preference, you know, we get the first one. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, in chat know that I despise motion controls and pointing controls uh, so much so, much so, so that you. <laughs> yeah, so much so that I modded them out of Prime 3 and other M completely so that I wouldn't have to <laughs> use them. And I uh I despise motion controls with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. So of course I picked GameCube. Uh but I do feel like as far as motion controls and pointer controls go, Prime didn't do it bad. I think that Prime 1 and 2's motion controls are better than uh, Prime 3's because <laughs> you don't have to deal with uh, thrusting your Wiimote at the TV yeah, or anything the, like the that. Dumb gimmicks. Well, sure, yeah. <sighs> by, the, by the time uh, corruption and, well, anything on the Wii happened, they had to give in to gimmicks that were mandated by Nintendo. Yeah, and yeah. for some reason, around that time, Retro stopped working on Metroid. Who would have thought? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Beat your DK bongos with your Wiimote nunchuck. <laughs> Real speedrunners of Metroid Prime 2 Echoes play on DK bongos. <sighs> I'm guessing someone has done something like that at some point. You would be correct. Uh... People have beat Dark Souls with Guitar Hero controllers. People can play anything with anything. Didn't someone beat it Dark Souls with a banana? I swear someone beat Dark Souls with a banana. I, mean, I don't know. Sure, that's your that's your homework for next week's podcast. <laughs> Watch that run. I'll find the person that did it and have them on and be like, okay, can you please there explain you to me what possessed you <laughs> to beat Dark Souls with a banana? Why? But 
after having played a lot of Prime, uh, the two of you, would you say that th that 3D works for Metroid? Because I know there's a lot of purists out there that are like, -uh, it needs to be 2D to be Metroid. But do you think 3D Absolutely works? Not. No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Worst decision I ever made. <clears throat> That's what people hmm. thought. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of those. I mean, they announced that Metro was going 3D. People were livid. Yeah. They were actually uh, flipping tables. <laughs> I mean, Elias and I both got into the series with Metroid Prime. Um, and it's like looking back, we got into the series, we got into the communities surrounding the series, and looking at all the conversations that were happening on these message boards was there were there were absolute diehards who refused to admit that the people that the people who liked metroid prime had two brain cells to rub together uh Oof. it was uh yeah there well, was it, a real civil war going on to, to be fair though it's it's because of the fear that you that you of of what you brought up earlier where they had seen 2d series go 3d poorly yeah, and they didn't want that to happen to their beloved Metroid, right? Especially yeah. when the last game that came out before Prime, because Fusion and Prime came out the same day, uh, was Super Metroid, right? Yeah. The pinnacle, the end of the trilogy, right? <laughs> and then here, let's do another one. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, fortunately, it turned out all right. Um, and it, uh, most of those people who who uh, who were like that eventually. Uh, you know, gave it a chance and saw it was came around, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. To to go back to the question, um, obviously we're both biased because we Prime and Fusion as a sibling to that uh, got us into to Metroid, um, and so we 3D was always around while we were Metroid fans, right? right. Um, but uh, often people can compare they like in the first prime game to like a 3d super metroid almost um because it it follows a lot of what worked for super metroid and took that to first person gamecube metroid and where super metroid does not age well prime does and mm -hmm. i will always love it for that <laughs> yeah i still think it's i still think that metroid prime uh I mean, it looks better than some Wii games do. Uh, maybe even some Wii U games. Maybe <laughs> some Wii U games. Uh, I, I don't know what wizardry they pulled uh, to get things looking as good as they did on the GameCube there. Uh, probably just really simple geometries with as good, as good of textures as they could do on the GameCube. But like, yeah. Uh, it looks well, great. They... Hmm? No, go ahead. Uh, okay, yeah, it looks great. It feels uh great. The uh, there's none of that like uh really awkward stuff that can happen in 3D where oh I feel like I'm here but I'm actually over there and pushing uh, <laughs> <laughs> this button made me go do do that instead of this because i was over next to the guy and uh yeah the 
there's a long storied history about how like Metroid Prime and 3D Metroid came into existence, right? Because they like they used a Western studio for the first time. They they hired like the best of the gaming industry at the time onto it. They spent years, you know, trying to, you know, think about what would be good. And uh, eventually the product they came out with was great. And then they had to rush sequels, but we'll talk about those in a minute. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's so, there was so much attention to detail put into that game that really made it work as well as it did. And I think had they not done that, it would have very much run the risk of being a failed 3D iteration of a 2D series. And who knows, like Metroid could have gone the way of F-Zero, right? Yeah. Where that, yeah. that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can absolutely kill it. And that's that's why I'm glad that Prime did as well as it did, because we may not have gotten future games without it. It could have just stopped the series right there. People could have just lost hope in it. Um, yeah. Now, you were talking about that, you know, it they the attention to detail in the game uh, was as good as it was. I I think that one of my favorite things about Metroid Prime 1 is actually the environments. I mean, it's a bit... I don't want to say generic, but... kind of generic. You you, yeah, you have jungle area, ruin area, ice area, yeah. watery area, uh, it, it fire area. area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, it you feels have like these... a video game. Yeah, it's very video <laughs> gamey. But I feel like the way that they did it was yeah. really, really well done. I, I think the environments, especially for a game as old as it is, I think the environments are gorgeous. Uh, and for the level of detail in that game on the GameCube, I feel like it ran exceptionally well, given the sheer amount of stuff that was going on. Uh, Pretty much a lot of 60 the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Like it's... Yeah, we won't talk about all the random crashes that happened in 1.0, but aside from those, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, like a few couple rooms. And I, and I I think that they sort of stuck to those those like proven environmental formulas because they were already doing so much different just by making this game that sort of sticking to something familiar uh, with the types of environments they use, yep. which they departed from definitely in the next two games. Yep. Um, they, that, that was one of the, the keys of success. It was just like, we're changing so much already. Let's keep this the same, but do the best we can on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, one of the, one of the things they also did was that like, yes, there's, uh, there's jungle, there's ruins, there's, uh, you know, uh, ice, ice place and fireplace. Uh, but they also sort of, they, you know, they would have sub areas within those, within, uh, the ice place within Fendrana, you have the, the ruins half of Fendrana, then you have the lab half of Fendrana, uh, in the Chozo ruins, you have like the desert place and then sort of this swampy place, uh, at Talon Overworld, you have the jungle and then the underwater part that we don't want to do ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Thankfully, that's just one short, straight little line that we can just skip. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so, yeah. The, fir yeah. The, the first thing the speedrunners ever did with uh, with Metroid Prime was skip the frigate. <laughs> <laughs> How do we skip this? Yeah, find a way to skip the frigate. Uh, do not want gravity suit at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's an interesting point because it always seems like water is like the worst part 
because we had that problem in super metroid and we have that problem in prime one it doesn't feel good to go slow yeah especially if you're speed running <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean, in two, yeah. you have the bog and everybody hates the bog because it's so agonizingly slow. Bog is probably why two is my third favorite prime game. <laughs> oh, I'll get to why mine's mm, my <laughs> least favorite prime game. <laughs> I just get most of the bog and call it good. <laughs> anyway, about the first game and how good it is. Yeah. So yep. speaking about how good it is, uh, it also has a rando. And I think it's a really yeah, good it rando. And I'll just uh, let Elias gush about the rando for a minute. So uh, take it away, Elias. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Thank you, Elias. I appreciate your uh, your incredible insight into the world of Metroid Prime One randos. Was uh, so <laughs> was good. I I don't know I don't know how aware you are of this, but there was a Metroid Prime uh, randomizer tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. la towards the end of last year, mm -hmm. uh, I forget when yeah. exactly it ended. Uh, Elias and I placed evenly on it. Um, which we both I made it through like. Swiss, both made the bracket, both finished tied for fifth place. Never yep. fought each other once. No, we didn't wow. fight each other once. Which, but I would not stand for it. Which, <laughs> is, which is why, uh the our marathon that's coming up we're actually capstoning it with the long-awaited clash of titans <laughs> fifth place titans uh, <laughs> it's gonna go on my tombstone elias thompson fifth place titan yeah there you go <laughs> uh but yeah we're we're gonna be ending that with a metroid prime randomizer race between the two of us uh <laughs> and ironically hours before that we're just also going to race each other in the normal game too yep which historically he's just been better fun. at mm. that, yeah. that, that's, that, one's, uh, that one's just a friendly you know well I mean Elias the one I can matters, if, if I can beat you at vanilla Metroid Prime And Elias, he's done. Elias, are you getting a sandwich? Oh. <laughs> I think he's going to get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, uh, you, can't, you can't do this to him. You can't do this to him. I need him for at least the next three days. <laughs> All right, I'll message him Tuesday and remind him that I beat him at Metroid Prime. Uh, yeah, Monday <laughs> you can send him into, a, into as, as terrible of a spiral as you, as you feel the need to. I need him for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that don't know, uh, during a charity event, Elias and I did a race of Metroid Prime, and I am not super good at Metroid Prime because I've only played it twice. Well, three times, counting the rando. And Elias has played it a lot more than that and is significantly better at the game than me and knows a lot of speedrun tricks. But we raced it anyway. Uh, but there were chat incentives to slow him down, and they went a little nuts, and it gave me well, enough time to actually beat him. Elias, you didn't tell me that Jacob was the guy that you raced. <laughs> Jacob was the guy that I raced. <laughs> now <Ooh>. you know. <laughs> now I know. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty great, and I had the worst Ridley fight of my entire existence during that. Took about an yeah, hour and a half, or at least that's what it felt like. A little sauce in the fact that after I had gone from back and forth between Metroid Quarantine B and my ship for the fifth time in a row, <laughs> I looked over and saw that he was still fighting Ridley. I was just like, oh, he's been fighting Ridley for the past 10 minutes. Maybe I still have a chance. No, 
And then I won. <laughs> and then I won. <clears throat> but I would say that um, the overall, Prime 1 is my favorite Metroid game. Uh, the environments, the enemy designs, except for those stupid ghosts, they can fuck off. Uh, the the different elemental beams that you get. I, I don't know. It To me, Prime 1 feels like more of an adventure than any other Prime game or any other Metroid game. And I love that feeling of exploration and leveling up. And I feel like backtracking that game is done pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, as much as we've been gushing about it, though, it's by no means perfect. No. Um, while I understand why they did it, the sort of artifact collection towards the towards the end, yeah. especially with as many as you have to collect, um, definitely feels like it's a shoehorn way of just make sure you explore every inch of this map before you beat the game. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like what previous games have done, where it's just like beat the main bosses and that in itself unlocks the end of the game, which they could have easily done because the last progression is on the last boss before that. Right. Uh, but they just chose not to um, for whatever reason. And they, they improved that methodology as the, the games were released, the prime games were released after that. Improved. But, uh, that's one of the, yes. <laughs> that's definitely one of the, one of the weaker points. Yeah. Um, it's my least favorite part of Prime 1. I, it, it is the blight on an otherwise phenomenal game for me. Uh, because you go to this place and it's like, we're going to give you vague clues as to where these 12 things are and they are hidden some of them are hidden really really well uh good luck and that's that's it and it sucks your first time through the game it's a nightmare and Pendrana's edge is so easy to find though so easy to find the door is just right there uh-huh behind that one wall uh-huh that's not scannable at all and gives <laughs> and, no and indication that it's hiding I, something it's it's i think it's the only door in the game that isn't on your map until you reveal it and that's so that, that's correct. to me, that's not that's clever. Correct. It's inconsistent and yeah. it's frustrating. <laughs> well, similar to, to how uh, have you 100 percent of the game yet? Uh, once. Once. OK, so, you Never know, about again. the uh, you know, about the morph ball tunnel hidden behind leaves that goes out of the map entirely. In Chozo ruins. Yeah. Yes. He knew about it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, and then I decided yeah, to never 100% the game again. Yeah, in, in, uh, in the Chozo <laughs> ruins on the other side of the giant magma pool, uh, like I said, it's, oh. it's, a, it's yeah. a morph ball tunnel covered with branches and leaves uh, that if you looked at the map, you wouldn't ever have a reason to think there would be something there because when you go through the tunnel you are in the void as far as the map is concerned mm -hmm. that was the last item i got on my first 100 percent run uh i don't think that was the last time i got on my first 100 percent run but as i went back to the game and tried to do 100 percent ones after that just based off memory i was like i know this game i know where we are <laughs> i went and got every item i was just like why am i at 99 percent why yeah, am i missing what's going why. on here <laughs> I've always found that things like that, that, you know, a lot of the secrets that you find in the Metroid games, they're not on the map at first. And then when you find them, it shows you, oh, hey, look, there's more map over here now. Ha ha. And uh -huh. it, it feels fine that way. But then you get things like that where it's like, <laughs> I'm in the void. Wh why are you not showing me that I found a good? It, it's, uh -huh. I don't know. It's just not very satisfying to me. You find something extra on the map. Like, I'm just going to use uh, Super Metroid as an example. When you find a hidden area, it's a different color. 
on your map to be yeah. like, you found this and this was special and you did it. You figured out there was a secret here. But then like with that tunnel, it's like, did I just break the game? Didn't is, happen. Is this a glitch? I don't uh, It's. I don't know. It just doesn't <laughs> feel good to me. Can neither confirm nor deny the existence of that tunnel. Shows us secret service. <laughs> <laughs> As, so ghosts probably guard it. So that way they're just trying and, well, to get away I mean, from it. I think it. there's a couple other points. I know at least there's a couple other points in the series where it has you your little icon standing out in the void, but I think it, there's a couple other points, even in prime one. Um, I can't remember if the room with the x-ray visor. Oh, that's hints. totally in the void. Yeah. Uh, well, once, it you hints, know, it once you scan it, once you're there, it makes sense, but right. from the map perspective. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you blow up the walls, with the power you bomb there, you're off the map. So yeah i would say it's one of those Which, situations where it's cool because you can't get out of there without blowing up the walls mm -hmm. and it even has a clue oh, for yeah. you that enemy that spawns and has a very high chance of dropping power bombs oh, you're, like, <laughs> you're totally right jacob uh i feel like i'm missing something here elias no nope. elias is elias is giving you his well actually uh, <laughs> i'm ready elias yeah uh <laughs> No, I'm just flexing speedrun tech. <laughs> oh. there, there, there's there's speedrun tech to get out of there without blowing up the walls, but we, we we blow up the walls anyway because there's an artifact on the other side. There's an artifact back there. One of the 12 <laughs> things you need to beat the game. But I feel like yeah. that particular instance, because in a normal playthrough, you would have to, uh, you know, you're, you're stuck there and you're like, what do I do? And then there's an enemy that keeps respawning and is going to keep dropping power bombs. And that's probably a good hint that, Hmm, maybe I should use that. And then it cracks open the walls and you're like, oh, and then you have this whole big area. And it's that's cool. That's a cool way to do it, in my opinion. As long as yeah. you realize what the game's trying to tell you. If you don't, it's very frustrating, of course, but you know. <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Uh anything else you guys want to add about Prime One? Um It is broken in the best ways possible. <laughs> like i i just want to throw that out there uh king of one collision of the, one of probably oh hi zelda universe thanks for showing up well hello uh, there whichever one of you it was that was playing today yeah but uh but yeah it's like one of the worst things that i think nintendo did with the franchise after prime one was fix the pro fix the bugs in in metroid prime um well, because you say that, but they just tried to fix the bugs. We just found ways around. Then we found new ones and and stuff. But like, Prime One was broken in a way that you that wouldn't affect you if you weren't trying to abuse it being broken. Yeah, which you is, had to try to break it. You actually yeah. have to try in order for it to actually in order for the brokenness to bubble up and that's the best way to be broken ever <laughs> sounds like a but challenge once you're there you're just like once you're there <laughs> yeah no i can't i honestly i can't play the game normal anymore uh i if you told me to do a vanilla run uh i would have to remember how that's supposed to go and even along the way i would be doing a whole bunch of really stupid speed tricks in order to just jumping and turning and jumping and turning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd look at me and you'd say, you're supposed to be playing the game normal. And I'm like, I'm following 
the the vanilla path is that not enough for you <laughs> don't deny me my r jumps and bunny hops please i'm scan dashing all the way to the end here oh, scan dashing is so cool i'm still so proud of myself uh elias told me about how you can get the uh in a normal playthrough how you can get the space jump boots uh early mm -hmm. and i was like oh i gotta look this up and i figured it out uh pretty quickly and got it on my second try when we did our race and felt really good about it oh serious nice yeah it was, it was and really he got fun. it before i did too because i had to do it while wearing oven mitts <laughs> that oh. was so funny. yeah that would get in the way wouldn't it <laughs> by the way i eventually did the trick with oven mitts well congratulations which is impressive take that triple p willie <laughs> <laughs> So I personally feel like Prime 1 is going to be essential. Uh, I feel like it is it breathed new life into the series and it showed that the 2D series that Metroid was could be done in 3D and it could be done well. So I would personally say it's very essential. Yeah, very much. And like even on top of just like mechanically showing that the series can exist in 3D, um, he didn't even mention the scans, all the lore that the oh yeah the scans yeah. add to the entire franchise. Optional uh, story in that game. I mean, it's it's all optional stories that you don't need to know about or anything like that. But when you start digging into it, I've been I I've called the game "Missed with Guns" before, which <laughs> is an exaggeration. I don't know anyone who's actually played "Missed" will know that that is not a comparison to be made but it is not as hyperbolic as you'd expect it has some foundation yeah yeah and that's true you know um, it's it's plot that isn't thrown in your face uh it's there if you want it but if you don't want it you don't have to you don't have to read it and i think that's a very interesting way to do lore uh in some game series i feel like it works really well uh in some i don't think that it does uh at all but in Metroid's case, I feel like uh, giving you the lore by you looking at the environment. Um, I think that's a really interesting way to do it, uh, just because it's like. It's like you're the one looking around and you're. Uh, you wouldn't have the knowledge that Samus would about that particular universe, but you're seeing what would almost be like her thoughts on what's going on. And it gives you more of a connection to the universe. And I think it's really well done. I uh, I would I would also uh, you know rate this game and uh, no. Um, <laughs> which is to really say essential. Um, the this is this is the game I say for people. There there's a certain kind of of gamer who doesn't like platformers in the traditional sense, side scrolling platformers, which is you know most of Metroid. Um, but this is different enough from that to where this is the game I recommend they start with if they just have an aversion to that because mm -hmm. while it's still technically platforming. It's, it's usually m more what they're used to in a 3d environment. Um, and, uh, it's even though it has its place in the timeline, um, the story it tells here is removed enough from the main plot, um, to where you don't need that context to fully enjoy this game. I think so. I would say essential. You know, it's. I think that 
not just for future Metroid games, but for other games in general, it shows that if done correctly, 2D to 3D can work. Uh, and yeah. and not again, not just for Metroid, but for other games uh, that maybe maybe had been a little antsy about doing that. Maybe they got some encouragement seeing how well it did. So I think that it's important not just to the Metroid series, but I think it's also important to gaming as a whole for that period of time. And that's always yeah. cool. Uh, unfortunately, um, as you said, then they had to rush out sequels, which means we got Prime 2, which is my least favorite yeah, of the Prime see. games. How many years did they work on the first Prime? It was like the late 90s they started, so at least three years, four yeah. probably. I can't remember exactly when this conversation had, but uh, Prime 1 to 2 was less than two years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be completely fair, a lot of that dev time into Prime 1 was them coming up with the base idea of how on earth they were going to do the game. There's stories of Miyamoto tearing through their office, talking about how Samus needs to change her head, which is where the visor ideas came uh, idea came from. But... Uh... <laughs> her head... But yeah, it was, it, it was a much faster turnaround. Tra Translation's right? interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um so as I'm sure most of you have guessed by now, I'm not the biggest fan of Prime 2. Uh I will say that probably my least favorite part of Prime 2 is the design of backtracking. Uh a game makes you backtrack entirely too much in my personal opinion, not just for 100%, but even just playing the game normally, it you're bouncing around like crazy and it's it becomes very tedious, in my opinion. Um, I thought the idea of having the light world and dark world, so to speak, I thought that was a really neat concept, but I really, really, really wish they had designed it more like A Link to the Past, where there was a spot where you could just go into the dark world and then you could just hit a button and pop back to the light world. Now, given the way that the levels were designed, that would have broken the game in half. But I really wish there was a way they could have designed it to make it a bit more accessible rather than, oh, I need to go to the, the dark world. Oh, well, let me spend five and a half minutes going to a place where I can do it. It's it got really tedious for me. I also would have liked if the dark world didn't try to kill me by just existing in it. Yeah, that. I still don't understand that design choice um, at all. Uh, now, I would understand uh, the uh, what's it called? The ing storm, I think it's called where it had like certain areas blocked off where you would just take yeah, insane that damage. That made sense. But just being in the dark world anywhere and you're just dying. And that was so dumb to me. But the ink storms, like if they would have had ink storms in particular places to keep you from going off the path they wanted you to take, that would have made more sense and made it more fun to explore. But because you're taking damage every second while you're in the dark world, unless you're in one of those little umbrellas, it, it's like the game is actively punishing you for exploring in a game where you're supposed to explore and it just drives me insane. <laughs> I can tell you feel passionately about this topic. Yes, I don't. I love so much of the concepts in, uh, in prime Two, uh, like the idea of having a light beam and a dark beam. And then eventually you get a thing that combines the two for a stronger effect. That is so cool to me and having separate ammos for the light and dark guns. That's also a cool concept to me. Disagree. Mm, <laughs> I will say that I like that concept as a game concept, not as a Metroid concept. <laughs> uh, it, it would be kind of like if you had a sword 
made of light energy and a sword made of dark energy. And if you like use them in such a way, you could deal extra damage by clashing them together when you hit your opponent's weapon. Like that kind of concept of yeah. of blending different energies that, for effect. Ammo part. Like, yeah, it. I feel everything like, else in Metroids and in in, uh, in Samus's arsenal um, has. Uh, I, sir, I don't need your laughing. You could just, <laughs> you could just turn off your camera, please. Um, everything else in her arsenal uh, is is pretty much ammo based, except her beam and her her morph ball bombs. But that's barely a you know a weapon and more of a tool. Yep. Um, her beam is always just like you get what beams you want, but then you just shoot it, and it's it's fine. That changed with this, and I was not a huge fan of that. I also appreciated the creativity of the beams themselves, just not the yeah. ammo part. Yeah. I felt like the beams are distinct, and if you use them correctly, they are surprisingly powerful. And I feel like had they had un that unlimited ammo effect, um, then they would have either had to have really lowered the damage output on those weapons uh, or just yeah, like not. Yeah, designed for that mechanic. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I, I do say that it is kind of annoying having to get ammo, but I do think that the concept of killing enemies with the light beam gives you dark ammo and vice versa. I think that is an interesting concept. It keeps you from using the same one over and over. Yeah. It's like switching back and forth. It, it keeps you thinking in combat a little bit more. It engages you more with the combat. But... If you don't you, want to with beams... <laughs> If you remember the mechanic, then it's really easy to be using it properly and also keeping your ammo high. But again, it to Elias's point, it's like if if you're not used to ever thinking about it with beams, mm -hmm. then uh, you're gonna be at like you're gonna run out of ammo real quick, and all of a sudden, in order to open a door, you're gonna to have to stand in front of it and charge your beam because that's the only way to get a single shot off. Yeah, uh, which, by the way, is never a trick that's explained, and so it's quite easy to just think you're oh, stuck in a room forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think it does explain it to you, but it, it it's in the, one of those crawls that pops up once, and I think it's like <laughs> right after the light beam, right right after you get the light beam towards the beginning of the game. So if who's reading out, after you get the light beam? Because after that you're just like, I have both beams. I am unstoppable until <laughs> yeah. I run out of my 50 ammo. Yeah, I, I do feel like the ammo expansions in that game are necessary to avoid a lot of frustration. I, uh, I, I I'm gonna be running this one uh, <laughs> from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. Primetime uh, hours, ladies and gentlemen. Primetime hours. There we go. Ha, uh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, and I just uh, I just finished a practice run, and it's like, okay, I need to make sure that during my route I get all the ammo expansions because those are not optional. Yeah. I... This is hard for me to explain, but, like, the combat that the game... I feel like because you're having to constantly switch between ammo types and some are more effective against certain enemies, blah, 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 I feel like the combat does engage you more, but you also have less choices because you don't have elemental beams. You just have light and dark. And then, of course, you get the annihilator beam, but that's eh. It'd be like a fire ice that, weapon. It's like, okay, whatever. Echoes has some of, in, in some ways, Echoes represents some of the best and some of the worst um, that, that can show up in the general Metroid formula. 
while it's not as extreme as Metroid 2 or Samus Returns, uh, there is some linearity in the expected path mm-hmm. of just like go from point A to point B to point C and you you basically do that. And it almost feels like they shoehorned backtracking into it for progression of just yeah. like, oh, right. They expect to backtrack. Uh, while you're in this area, go back to this area and get one thing. And while you're in this area, go back to the other one and get one thing. And then we'll just keep you back on the rail. Um, and uh, so, so the the overall like uh, progression path and map design uh, that came with it felt uh, linear, more more linear than than I was comfortable with um, for for myself. Um, but on a you know totally different topic, right? Like some some of the bosses uh, in that game and in enemy designs are some of the best in the series, like. The, the boss of the final area, um, super creative, super awesome feeling to fight. The end of the game is probably my favorite end of any Metroid game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it has its strengths and weaknesses for sure. I think that probably my favorite part of it is just the way that they uh, expanded on the abilities that you got in prime one and they incorporated new ones. Uh, so like the, the, the screw attack makes its triumphant 3d uh, debut in prime two. And it's excellent. Um, it's like uh, uh, you just, uh, you know, you get that your space jump off and then you just keep going uh i uh the the seeker missiles sometimes don't hit what they're supposed to but yeah. they're good they're a good thing to use <laughs> it's a nice option to have yeah. it's a nice option to have uh <laughs> someone says i think we talked enough about water levels uh yeah but I, 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 I don't think we have any reason to bring it up again i uh, but i think the gravity boost, i think that the gravity boost is a really gotcha. nice iteration of the gravity suit that mm-hmm. uh uh you know again it, it's basically a gravity suit with a little bit extra on it with yeah that uh the the propeller that you get basically yeah gravity suit uh, plus yeah <laughs> yeah Getting the boost you might on say it pack. has an extra gravity feature to it. Not sure I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny though because there is something about Torvis Bog I want to say. Uh, it sucks, right. and I would say out of all okay, the areas okay. in the game, it is my least favorite to navigate. However, aesthetically, it's my favorite part of the game. Yeah, like the the music throughout the entire game, really, and in Torvis Bog especially, mm-hmm. is great. Yeah, and, it, and I love the way the place looks too. For being a bog, it looks pleasing. Yeah, yeah, uh, better than the first area of the game that's just like uh, desert, but dust. we took all the color out of it. <laughs> yeah, we took the interesting Gray- parts out of the desert. <laughs> yeah, here, here's a grayscale <laughs> desert. Enjoy. Like, thanks. <laughs> and it's so boring. Like I, I well, it's uh, like the, the, there's there's desert, which is what I would call Chozo ruins, and then there's like wasteland, which is what. Uh, the temple grounds well, and, and I guess Aegon f- feels like where it's just like there's just nothing interesting to look at in all I of this what, sand and dirt 
I think what happened is Sanctuary Fortress just sucked all the color out of those areas. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah. Into its machinery. I feel like that it, place it, is it, a bit much sometimes. You it think, is. Uh, you think that might have been a hardware limitation? Did they have to take all the CPU cycles they out? Had, of they, they absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> that how it works? They they had to I give Aegon the rest of the CPUs, yeah. Ugh. 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 I say that. Both Metro Prime 1 and 2 are 1 gigabyte. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. Storage has come such a long way. <laughs> the things you can do with <laughs> This game, game's 100 gigs you. now. <sighs> I'd be... I'd be impressed to Look see... Look at all the gigs they'll have for Metro Prime 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where I'd play it if they'd release it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like... I feel like it is aesthetically pleasing, uh, but I just hate the water part because water sucks in, in <laughs> well, Metro so, games. So I live in the Pacific Northwest um, where it is green and trees and rains. And sometimes when it rains, it is swampy just a little bit, just a little bit. It's a little muddy. Um, I had once where I was walking through campus at, uh, when, I, when I was at uh, University of Washington and uh it was dumping outside and I was just trying to get to my next class. So I took a shortcut through this little grove of trees and the Torvis bog theme came on my headphones. <laughs> so I just stopped where I was and I said, yep, yeah, this is right. That's incredible. This I was late right. in class and it was worth it. <laughs> he just stood in the rain and just <laughs> wallowed. <laughs> You know yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to add about Prime 2 before we move on to 3? It is I, my I... second favorite Prime game. Mm, interesting. It's, it's my third favorite, but I do appreciate the, uh, the things that they tried with it, right? A lot of Metro Games' thing is just trying things. Mm -hmm. Um... And they, they definitely tried things different for Echoes than the original Prime. <laughs> a few of them were good, a few of them weren't, in my opinion. High highs, but low lows. Yeah, maybe not quite as extreme, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, then, uh, then they made Prime 3, right? And they, uh, they had to shoehorn in the motion controls. Do, do we want to rate Prime 2? No, uh, I mean, I <laughs> not to tell you how to run your podcast. <laughs> no, I, I forgot because sir, you're doing your podcast wrong. <laughs> I don't remember what I had for breakfast today, so remembering to rate every game, <laughs> it's gonna eventually fuck up somewhere. It's gonna happen. Uh, so essential, recommended, optional, or haha, no. I for me. I'm going to say optional, but close to recommended. I would still say recommended. It's, it's a recommended from me. It's not as essential as, as Prime 1, especially because you're like missing context if you don't play the first one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, would, I would still definitely recommend it. And I have like, I've literally just bought the trilogy on the Wii U eShop for people and just be like, yeah, yeah, go go play the trilogy. Go see a Star Wars. 
That's fair, man. Though. Especially when it went down to ten bucks on the Wii U. That wasn't that was an easy choice to make for people. Good time. <laughs> I mean, as, as many gripes as I have with it, I would absolutely pay ten dollars for it. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's two companions. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, I'd pay sixty for Prime One. Prime One's just so good. <laughs> I will. I would, and have paid more. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody yeah, if you want was the surprised. Of Prime one that you can speed run. Uh, that's that's like still full list price or more. It's worth it, it, its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah. So with Prime three, um, probably not going to linger on this one too long. But they they had to shoe in motion controls and. I've never played the game yeah. of motion controls because I've I've modded them out. <laughs> uh, but do you think that for what they were, they worked well? Yeah, I yeah, think I, so. I think that uh, they're just like, okay, for this one on the Wii, use motion controls. And they're just like, okay. Um <laughs> And yeah, like, like like we said before, with you know playing the the first two on the trilogy version, which used the same controls, um, they they did well on on adapting to you know the the requirements they were given, so to speak. Um, it's essentially dual analog, but pointing your arm cannon at the TV, you know. Um, and uh, so yes, while I understand some people such as yourself, can't stand motion controls um, for what they are. I think they did uh, pretty well. And, you know, along with that came innovation of like hyper mode, which was kind of tied to the plot yeah. uh, as a plot device while also being a gameplay mechanic. And as a result of that, beams now stacked instead of being switchable. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the bonuses actually they did get from using motion controls was being able to do a lot more things with the grapple beam feature um, because you can do a lot more than just swing from a you know branch at that point yeah pulling shields off and stuff mm -hmm. i think it was what you could do yep it's one of them yeah yeah um and and i, I think that that's neat i think that some of the gimmicks that they did that was more than just pointing at the screen i think that they were kind of interesting uh, of course, I didn't do them with motion controls. I did them with button combinations, but still, uh, I feel like I feel like a lot a lot of other games have done motion control stuff a lot worse. Still, not a big fan of it because uh, honestly, one of the biggest reasons I don't like motion controls is because every single game I play, I stream, and motion controls when you're streaming is a pain in the ass. Especially since yep. I play all my console games on uh, monitors. Yeah. yeah. So trying to use a uh, trying to use yeah. a Wii remote on a computer monitor is shit, and you shouldn't do it. It was yeah. not designed to stream. That's no. for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, well, but I do it feel like designed for anything closer <laughs> to <like> five ten. <laughs> Would you say there's anything in particular in Prime Three that didn't work very well? I would have liked that they kind of they kind of dipped into more story like in your face storytelling with prime three mm -hmm. um you had npcs actually speaking voice there was voice acting in it mm -hmm. um but i feel like they didn't go far enough with it 
um, you know, towards the beginning, you're introduced to these characters, and uh, spoiler alert, most of them face tragic endings by the end <laughs> of the game. Yeah. Um, but you very rarely feel tragic about it because you barely spent any time with them while barely, barely spent any time to make any meaningful connection. The, 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 you, you have a little, oh, I remember this guy montage every time it happens, and it's usually the one or two cool things that they did. Yeah. Some they of literally them... show every interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them, I'm pretty sure it, I, I think that for the last one, it even shows like things that happened in the last five minutes before the boss fight. Because remember when you that... talked to them? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good, good times. Um, but but that was something new for Metroid that they were trying, mm -hmm. right? Like there had never been any dialogue in Metroid and they went a little too far with it after that. Um, but um, <laughs> they, they, it was one of the things they were trying to do. So I understand why they didn't go as far as maybe they should have. But um, I think in the way they did it, like they still kept Samus as silent protagonist. You know, they, they kind of did the Breath of the Wild treatment, just not as much. Right. Um, it, was, uh, it was a step in the right direction, I feel like. Um, especially considering it was like the end of a trilogy, they were wrapping up a bunch of plot points. There was a lot of, you know, things being said uh, during cutscenes in particular. So they were wrapping up plot points that they hadn't figured out how to tie together yet. Is was the other thing. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the story of Prime Three is very much. We didn't really think of this being as a cohesive trilogy but i guess if we, have this? This, <laughs> yeah. we can we can tie those first two games together in a way that makes a third game work right they knew <clears throat> they knew what the plot was going to be about during the second game then when they started doing the third game they're just like how do we end this <laughs> <laughs> and now we have prime four coming so oops well, that will is is set up to be a mostly separate plot entirely. So, mostly. Her her, kind of like Halo. Her her. <laughs> kind of, actually, yeah. <laughs> Why you ruined my Halo? <clears throat> Sorry, well, flashbacks. That's, that's also like Prime One itself. Like mm -hmm. the Prime games itself are largely separated from the main plot of the yeah. existing Metroid games, like Metroid 1 to Fusion, and then other in between Super, which was kind of retcon between Super and Fusion. Like that's, that tells a very sequential story. Yeah. And while the Prime games have a place in the timeline in the middle of that, they largely do not affect those events. Yeah, because Phazon is nowhere, and you would think it would be, but... Well, that's one of the things they had to try and wrap up in uh, Prime 3. They're just like, yeah. yeah, this is now like everywhere. How do we rein this in and eliminate it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just blow up the entire planet. It'll vanish from everywhere. Cool? Yeah. Which cool. works. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to bring up is a, is a sentiment that has been uh, misunderstood and probably mistranslated at times into saying that the Prime games are not canon. They are canon. They just don't affect the the rest the, the 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 series outside of the prime games yeah they're they still happened <laughs> yeah I, i'm always very careful in my wording when talking about that but to be perfectly clear yes they are absolutely canon yeah <laughs> and for the time being they still fit snugly into the timeline but the amount of time um that they have left to do that 
in their own self-imposed timeline is is very uh, getting a little squished. Because <laughs> um, they've okay. started to name years on games, and it's just like, oh no, that's it's like okay. a year Prime, apart. <laughs> Prime Four, Prime Four is going to introduce time travel to the whole thing, Great. so oh, we'll have as much. No. Time happy about that. Yeah, good. Uh, right. <laughs> I feel but, like time travel can be done. Course, Sam, where, had... What about the timeline where the hunter fails? <laughs> i was gonna say it's why samus suddenly has gray hair and fusion she's aged like 50 years over the span of five <laughs> oops uh so i feel like with prime three uh i'm not gonna talk about the keys because it's just the artifacts done worse and that's why i didn't talk about the ing temple keys better, actually in prime three that was probably the like I'm still not a fan that they they lock away the end of the game like that, but yeah. it was better than how they did it in Prime One and Two because Two was the same thing, just less less keys. Yeah, my problem with Two problems, is which, that which you makes it better. My problem with Two though is you can't get the damn things until the end of the game, even if you know where they are. Yeah, not one, until you, get you can a certain, do that. Certain item, yeah, yeah, which you um, get very very late in the game. But Prime One, you know, you're going down in uh, the, the lava place. The, the, that the name eludes me. Uh, and if yeah, you know, place works. yeah, yeah. Lava place. <laughs> yeah. With good music. Uh, if you know that that artifact is in that like uh, rock pillar, you can grab it yeah. like, immediately. And I think that's a cool way of rewarding replays. I think that I wouldn't say that it increases yeah. the replay value, but if you're replaying it, it's a bit more convenient, but in two, it's well, like, in, in, I know that's there. It's right there. It's right there. Can I please have it? <laughs> no. Well, in and in Prime Three though they they do that six that they do that they do that good part of Prime, but even more so in that they usually tie it into something a required thing you have to do in a room, like their their energy cells instead of artifacts. You you have to take this energy cell to progress through the room to progress through the plot and and you start collecting them before you even realize that they're keys. They are, yeah. My main issue with them is something incredibly petty and stupid, and it it's. And hit me hit me it's that you can go the wrong way <laughs> yeah no, that is that is frustrating that like you don't what the, the 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 bright side is that you don't need all of them yeah the 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 problem is that if you don't need all of them that means that you could waste some yep <laughs> which i did oops yeah frustrating i just used it as an excuse to do 100 percent run it's easy <laughs> I uh I tried to use a glitch uh that was in the uh the Weaver <laughs> wait no the 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 standalone Wii version but not in the trilogy version. I tried to do it mm -hmm. for about a half an hour before I found out that it didn't work in the trilogy version and felt like an idiot. So uh <clears throat> yeah, and I blame Elias Jacob, for it. Jacob, 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 don't feel bad. Um 2 years ago for the marathon I ran Prime 3 and in my uh in my prep for that I spent 2 hours trying to do probably that same trick <laughs> before I realized it doesn't work on the trilogy version and only on the standalone corruption game so um yeah yeah it's, such uh... is the, the such is the folly of being a uh, a sequence breaker in games but you know what? multiple releases yeah shout out shout out to prime 3's original release uh having 
the only curse word to ever appear in the Metroid series, Admiral Dane saying the word damn, wherein in trilogy, he says no. <laughs> they patched it out. That That's so weird to me. Because, like, I mean, if he had said fuck, it might have been a little different. But, I mean, it's just... Oh, man, I would have bought that game five times. <laughs> yeah, I would have played that. My parents would be like, this is the game that you like so much. <laughs> but, yes, to use a, a term from uh, the other kind of Zoomers, we stan Admiral Dane. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, no, that word. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. No, we have we have our own alternative uh, canon for how <laughs> Prime Three should have gone, and uh, Admiral Dane plays a big part in it. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a we we like Admiral Dane. Man, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Prime Three did relatively well, and that it was relatively well liked because there is a lot to like in Prime Three. Uh, despite the fact that it has motion controls. <clears throat> uh, but I do feel like some of the puzzles that they had motion controls with were really well done. I feel like they were given this thing by Nintendo. Hey, put motion controls in because we need the weed. You got to have motion controls in there somehow. And I feel like even though they were given that, they still did really well with it. Uh, and that's impressive because motion controls suck. So now I have to ask... With Prime 3, essential, recommended, optional, or uh, no? Definitely recommended. I, I can't, I don't think I could make it essential without making Prime 2 essential, but I could definitely make it recommended. Hmm. I'll agree. I think it is recommended. I think it is just good enough for me to recommend to somebody to play. Um, I would say, and of course, because of that, I would say that I guess I recommend the entire Prime trilogy. Of course, if you had to only pick one, it would be Prime 1. But I do say that 3 is better than 2. Um, would you say that if you had had to play that with motion controls? I don't know. Uh, that's a tough question You'd for me. You'd have to play with motion controls. Yeah, which is never going to happen. So... Uh, Maybe. Uh, I feel like I would have liked the world a lot more than two, but I feel like the controls probably would have gotten on my nerves. So I feel like if hey, I'd actually use... Hmm? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I, I feel like the... Uh, I would probably have said optional had I had to do it with motion controls just because I really hate motion controls that much. Uh, but the game isn't bad. They worked with what they had, and it's not that the motion control puzzles are bad. It just the idea of constantly have to be pointing at a screen is is super gross to me. And I have a VR headset, and I love playing shooter games in VR because you're using your whole body in a much larger environment rather than pointing a dot at a screen. And I feel like, of course, that was a limitation at the time, but I feel like if you were to somehow get Prime Three to work in VR, it would be incredible. You can play the first Metric Prime in VR. What? Yeah, have you not uh, heard of Dolphin VR? No, okay. and now I'm terrified. And I feel like uh, it probably doesn't work I mean, that well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, I'll, I'll couch this by saying, 
it's the only VR game that's ever actually made me sick. <laughs> but you can play Metroid Prime 1 in VR. That's terrifying. I have a, I have a stomach of iron I uh, when it comes to that VR. That makes me want to try it in VR, actually. Same? But, uh, yeah, uh, Prime Same reason 1. I bought a virtual boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It wasn't made for that. I think it has something to do with the field of view. You need to start messing with that mm-hmm. in order for your body to actually think that uh, think that what you're seeing is supposed yeah. to physically be there. Yeah. I was just going to touch on, uh, while you were saying all that, Jacob, that something we didn't touch on about Prime Theory specifically are the environments, which, again, are radically different than the yeah. previous two Primes and... Uh, for the most part, like do pretty well. Yeah. In some parts, there's a little bit of phase on overload, literally. Yep. Um, but uh, like stuff like Skytown and Alicia is just, just like fantastic. A lot of really cool concepts, especially like swinging on the rails uh, in Skytown was. Yeah, the Bioshock Infinite moments. Yeah, exactly. It. I wish you could just enjoy the ride and like look around at the cool environments rather than constantly have to be shooting at shit that's spawning in front of your face. A couple but, times you can. Just, but you're still on edge because yeah, you're wondering. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it did have good environments. I thought that I thought that the reason that you go to each planet was kind of dumb. Oh, there's a computer here and it's got a virus. Yeah. What? Yeah, Simon is uh, IT tech support. <laughs> I don't know. It's just really dumb to me, but I, on call. I I do enjoy the the like the uh, the villain concept, so to speak. You know, where it's corrupting your friends. Well, well, friends. I mean, you met them for like five minutes, but it, it was a it's cool concept. It's just had friends in years. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do feel like it did well um, at at showing you the bad guy and the thing that you need to win is slowly getting worse inside of you as you go. Like the whole corruption concept I thought was cool. Uh, but I, I know that that's not really uh, everyone's cup of tea, uh, but I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, now we have to talk about the one that I'm sure everybody's been waiting for. Before I touch on that, I will say that if you guys have anything extra you want to add about uh, any of the, lesser known handheld shitty metroid games and or federation whoa. force now's the time whoa so so i take metroid it we're skipping okay, okay not <laughs> not prime pinball i'm talking more like uh what was it called hunters i think yeah hunters. in this following essay i will explain no <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're all good to be sitting here for another two hours while elias and i just go off on how great pinball is right <laughs> We've I, assume the games, I assume the games you're going to be skipping over here are Pinball, Hunters, Federation Force. Is that it? Yep. Okay. As far as I know. Um, we only have two left to talk about. Okay, yeah, yeah. So... I would say that Hunter- Federation Force is really obnoxious, but if you are forced to play it with three people that you can talk to, (laughs) it's not actually a bad time. Federation force is, is best enjoyed when you can suffer together with your friends. 
yeah suffer I like think the most other bad things <laughs> i think the first time that nathaniel and i both beat it we were playing with each other and a couple of other mm-hmm. people and um yes it's the triforce heroes of the metroid series if you've ever played that if not then it's uh you know google it um <laughs> it's bad that's what he's saying bad I- it's a nice little co-op game where you don't play a Samus at all. He's <laughs> not playing another Metroid game you are not a part of. <laughs> now, what about Hunters? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, Hunters I mean, is kind of yeah. Go ahead. It it feels proto Prime Three in the yeah. like. You know, Prime Three. I mean, even lifted one of the one of its heroes from Hunters. Essentially, uh, uh, Rundus is of the same race as Noxus in Hunters. Uh, Hunters is a lot of cool graphic design thrown onto a DS cartridge uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> mashes it all into really small pixels. And tells you to shoot it a whole lot with guns that don't lock on. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, it's it's dual analog, but one of the analogs is the touchscreen with the stylus. Oh, uh, <laughs> I hate it. Thanks. <laughs> I would I would argue actually that while the main three prime games are like first person adventures, as they call them and like actual just platformers with shooting hunters mm-hmm. is actually an fps on the ds like that's straight up an fps see i just uh that concept bothers me a little bit because i know how shitty the call of duty games were that they ported to ds that just makes me think of that <laughs> I was like, Ugh, yeah, just, so no, just picture call of duty on, on 3ds but with metroid or on ds excuse me with metroid but it was yeah it, it served as kind of a beta maybe testing ground for some of the concepts that showed up later, like even one of the characters that premiered in Hunters, they are continuing to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, believe it or not, will probably show up in Prime 4 in some capacity. Um, At the very least, that's what the secret ending of Federation Force has implied. <laughs> and the secret ending of Metroid Prime 3. Uh, and the secret ending of Metroid Prime 3. But yeah, uh, believe it or not, Federation Force decided to give us like the only important thing in the entire game was the super optional scene. ending. The post-credit scene that I accidentally skipped because oh. someone I was playing with told me that it would start playing if I skipped the credits, and they were wrong. Oof. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was that was very much an experiment. They were they were riding off the success of Prime One because I think it came out before Prime Two. Yeah, I think it came uh, out or, I, no, I think it came out after Prime Two, but timeline wise, it takes place before uh, in between Prime. Oh, Prime okay. Two. Um, but the the you know just pumping out that was that was developed by another Western like Nintendo second party office that wasn't retro, and uh, a nice little nice little experiment they did. I don't think uh, that they will make Metroid as much of an FPS as they did in Hunters anytime soon again, without changing a bunch of other factors. Honestly, and then pinball's great. Everyone should play it. Yeah, everyone should play pinball. <laughs> uh, 
<clears throat> but honestly, I think that the uh, the demo cart for Hunters that came with launch DSs was a better game than Hunters was. <laughs> yeah, because it was shorter. <laughs> it, it was it was shorter. Uh, it was it Oof. had just a couple contained modes that you could play and shoot for high scores on. And I got really obsessed with going for high scores on uh, on that cartridge. And, and there I were actual Metroids in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the, the demo had Metroids in it. Metroid Prime Hunters is the only Metroid game, I believe, still, that does not have Metroids in it. That seems like a terrible design choice. Federation Force shoehorned Metroids into that <laughs> game. But Metroid Prime Hunters did not. Oof. It takes place in another galaxy entirely. <laughs> so, speaking of negatively viewed Metroid games, we have to talk about the big one. Metroid Fusion, yeah. <laughs> Metroid Other M. So, I'll start by saying this. I like Metroid Other M. I think that Metroid Other M is a good game. I think that the story in Metroid Other M is pretty not good at all. Uh, but the game itself is good. I, I, I kind of compare this to Final Fantasy 13 and, um, and Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts in that it's a fine game. It's a terrible Metroid game. I feel like it, it would almost have been like a really, really good Wii game if it wasn't for the fact that they slapped Metroid on it. Like It could have been anything else. They could have called it something else, like Space Adventures with Adam or something like that. I don't know. And it would have just been better off, but they put Metroid in it and it <laughs> suffered for it because the game itself is fun. It looks gorgeous. It's one of the best looking Wii games that there is. And it yeah. plays great. It's a it's lot of fun to play. It's got, yeah, it's got a lot of cool mechanics, except for the pixel hunts. And it's got lots of really cool stuff that you can do. <laughs> it gives you a cool sense of speed. Your weapons feel interesting. Uh, the way that your health system works, the way that your missile system works is unique. I don't know that I would say I prefer it or uh, or dis prefer it, whatever that word would be. I'm tired. Uh, but... I, I think that overall, it's a really fun, solid game, and I would put it in my top five Metroid games as a game, but not a Metroid game, because the plot is where it falls apart, and everybody's already heard this story a million times, so we're not going to, like, <laughs> sit here and rip on how shit the story is, but the story's shit, trust us. But outside of the bad story, um, why do you think there's anything else about the game, not counting the story, that people hated about it to the point where it gave it such a negative view other than the story. Well, <laughs> other than the story, you say? If, mm -hmm. if we're talking about what other people hate about this game, that's like endless. <laughs> they, they tore this thing apart when it came out. Um, fortunately, so, we've had 10 years to refine our responses to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that one of the complaints that I've come up with re in the last handful of years of having to play Other M um, is that when you're... A lot of the mechanics feel like sometimes they don't work because reasons. Um, the stars in the sky are not aligned for you to land on this enemy with your charge beam charged up while they are 
well, they are frozen, have one foot frozen to the ground. No, you can't overblast it because the tectonics weren't right for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on a space like, station. On a space station, yeah. <laughs> yep, you heard me, right? Um, I think that when it when it run when it works when things are happening the way that you expect them to, uh, and the planets weren't aligned, yeah, and the uh, uh, and all that, the game feels really good, um, and it looks real flashy. I the my biggest hope, my, the, my, my I have a friend who really dislikes Metroid, uh, and he was super hype when the other M trailer came out. Not because he actually wanted to play it, but because imagine all of the new moves Samus is going to get in Smash. <laughs> um, like a dodge <clears throat> that slows down time for a second. <laughs> yeah, and and then the on the other hand, there's the dodge, which again is one of those things that like, uh, it's it's really neat to sort of show how nimble and athletic Samus is, even when she's inside her, her suit and all that. Uh, but when it comes down to the game, you just end up standing there mashing the D-pad in a direction until you dodge something, and then you let go of the shoot button in order to get a good big shoot off, and then you start mashing the D-pad again so that you can get another big shoot off in in a moment or two. And it suffered uh, the same the same the same effect as uh, Samus Returns in the the melee. Yeah, uh, yeah. How you're just fishing for certain attacks so that you can punish them. Uh, instead of actually trying to, I don't know, engage with the enemy. I uh, I tend to boil down the main issues I have, at least with other M, uh, to just two points of yeah, there are specific controller controlling decisions um, <laughs> that are unfortunate. Um, yeah, the pixel hunts. Yes, the not being able to move in first person. Yes, the waiting for sense move while also that also being how you move just in general. Um, the idea that they wanted to force you to hold the Wiimote sideways, like, yeah, there's there are uh, issues there. And then, yeah, the other issues are specific story points in the game, which you've already mentioned uh, in particular, but there are parts of that game that I enjoy. Um, like I said, the the, the cutscenes were done in a really nice way. Um, whenever you're kind of just sort of walking and like moving through the levels, that feels pretty cool. Um, I didn't think I would like the sort of quick time events, like overpowering stuff, as much as I do. And so those are those are nice. Again, when they work, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, they yeah um some sometimes when i'm playing it it feels like i'm playing metroid other times when i'm playing it it doesn't sure. uh also for transparency's sake i modded out all the motion controls and the need to uh, twist the remote sideways for various <laughs> bullshits uh and needing oh, to no hold... wonder you like the yeah, game yeah. you can actually play it sometimes yeah I, it works really well if you get rid of the motion controls like really one really the, well one of the innovations they did for other m that i actually hope in some way makes its way into the prime games 
uh, was they innovated how to do speed boosting and shine sparking in 3D. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I I think they they did it very well. They did it basically the way I had imagined it working in the Prime games, and I hope that comes back because it felt it feels really cool. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's so much fun. No, oh, the, the the best parts of other M all uh, have you glowing and running very fast. Yep. You can get to the end of the game and be done with it quick as possible. <laughs> well, you say that, but when you get to the when you get to the hundred percent final boss, it's literally just sense move the boss. Yeah, yeah no, then, yeah. and then pot shotting when you can. Yeah, that's where if you haven't figured out that the best strategy is to just stand still and mash the D pad, uh, you find you you figure that out real quick. You figure it out real quick. Um, now this is. Again, I'm not really going to mess with the story because everybody's heard that a million times, but do you think that Other M tarnished the legacy of Metroid? I wouldn't say tarnished, but it sure got us worried. Because, mm. um, I mean, the, the games that are out are still out, and they're still great. Oh, yeah. You can't take that away. Um. Yeah, not to jump ahead, but everything about Other M screams optional, right? Even where it fits into the <laughs> plot, right? They had already told the story of what happened before this and what happened after that, right? Yeah. But they just, you know, shoehorned a story into the middle of those two events. Um. So you don't need to view the story there. Um. No other Metroid game plays like Other M or had played like Other M. And it's unlikely that any uh, Metroid game in the future will, um, at least for the most part. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would say it tarnished the Metroid series, but the trailers for the game made us very excited, especially coming leading up to release. And then it happened. And then we had radio silence for another six years or so. Yeah. And uh, so we were, there was a period of concern for sure. Uh, again, I know we kind of blew through it, but is there anything else you guys want to talk about other M again? We're just ignoring the plot because we talked about that a million times before, but. So other M, you know, uh, developed by Team Ninja, mm-hmm. um, kind of more of an action game than the Metroid series has been in the past. Uh, one of the things that it actually got me thinking about was, hey, what other devs would I want to see a Metroid game from? Um, and the the answer that I kept coming up with was, well, what if Platinum Games made a Metroid <laughs> game? Because be I, I'd, I'd play that. It would be, you know, I'd bet a more mechanically solid other M. At least as yeah. far as gameplay goes, uh, a lot more dodging somehow. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll counterpoint that though a little bit, Yandrivas, yeah, because go for it. You know that. Uh, uh, shortly after the release of Other M, I actually had the opportunity to interview one of the main developers from the Team Ninja side of that. Um, Yo, yeah. And we 
I had questions. Um, <laughs> and uh, despite what developer Nintendo chose to work with to make, you know, if they had gone with another developer to make other M or, or whatever comes down in the future, right? It's still Nintendo's property and they still have final mm -hmm. say on a lot of things. And mm -hmm. as it turned out, despite Team Ninja implementing the, uh, you know, controls and stuff, which mm -hmm. are one of the main things I have issues with, the direction they got to do it that way was from individuals That's, in Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, that have creative control over Metroid. So um, using uh, another, you know, company to do I, it. Yeah. Or thankfully, they did learn from other M, right? Because they did the same thing with Sam's Returns. They hired, uh, mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, Mercury Steam, Mercury Steam um, to make uh, Sam's Returns, and they did great. Again, for, for the directive of make this for the 3DS, right? Yeah. Um, we we have talked about the potential issues there, but it's a way better game than other M in entirety. Um, so I did feel like they learned from that, for sure. Yeah, I, I and I should I should rephrase that. I don't think that I don't think that other M would have been a better game if Platinum had made it. I just think that I want to see a, Met a Metroid game made by Platinum <laughs> because I really like their style. Into that fantasy, <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I be I became a platinum games fan uh with metal gear rising revengeance and then i went and played back a lot of uh some of their back catalog and uh quite a few of their games since then near automata's like you know up there on my games of the current gen so <laughs> yes i want to see one of my new favorite action developers take over my favorite franchise <laughs> or not take over but have the oh get to get to get to play with my favorite franchise especially since they seem to be on good terms with nintendo right about now for yeah. the last like while yes i was team ninja <laughs> oh not I, I mean i don't know you you look at their history team ninjas on good terms with anyone who will pay them uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So am I, fun fact. <laughs> the other thing I'll mention, um, not super related to gameplay or anything, but there, there were a number of individuals who worked on this this project. It was the first uh, Metro game to essentially be fully voice acted, um, especially where Samus is concerned, right? Um, just through, you know, the 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 positions that Gendrevis and I have been in, in the general metric community, we've met individuals that have like worked on the game that we would never have met or, you know, interacted with at all had that game not existed or come out. Um, and so just from like a kind of community perspective, uh, that's why I would say other and didn't tarnish Metroid um, at all, because there, there was a lot of good that came out of that. Interesting. Uh, anything else about Other M before we move to our final game for the night? Optional. Yeah, optional. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I I want to say recommended, but only if you can hack the piss out of the motion controls. <laughs> so, so without that, I would say optional. I wouldn't give it the no, but I would uh, I would say optional. Yeah. So. By the way, 
pinball recommended hunters optional federation force barely optional i i would mimic that except i would put federation forces no it's on the border for me but yeah again again it's like it's like metroid 2 where there's like stuff at the end that i'm sure will be a factor going forward (laughs) and i'm sure that when it actually becomes a factor they'll recap it just as good as super metroid but (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. so would you both say i cannot imagine i cannot imagine a world where a new uh, mainline Nintendo game comes out that says, "What do you mean you didn't play our little spin-off co-op shooter? What do you mean you didn't I've pay attention after the credits? What's wrong with you?" Reggie uh, dot Jeff. I've, I've, <laughs> I've recently come to learn that Kingdom Hearts is kind of like that as yeah. a whole series. Yep. And uh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> you who like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yep, that'd be uh, that'd be me. I like I like some Kingdom Hearts and uh, oof. Uh, uh, now I have to ask, just since uh, since you gave the ratings for it, would you say would you both say that uh, Federation Force is your least favorite Metroid game? No. Ooh, one yes and one no. Okay, so what would you say it is, Elias? For me, t- uh, to play, you mean? Uh, just in like in general. Um, e- either or. <clears throat> My least favorite Metro game is Metroid 2, the original. Interesting. And you dislike that more than Federation Force. I I can I can sit and play and finish Federation Force as I'm about to demonstrate in the next few days. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have a much harder time doing that with Metroid 2. I literally have to be forced to play through that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, though, because, I mean, it is very old. Now, the remake of 2, you do like quite a lot, so... Oh, yeah, the remake's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Cool. So... Uh, like, just... And there's there's some stuff about it being an old game there, for sure, but... Yeah, yeah. Harder to play, and... I'll actually say that my appreciation for Metroid 2 increased uh, since playing the remake. I mean, sh- sure, my appreciation did as well, but... <laughs> My point remains. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Fusion. Uh, I know we've already... We're almost at three and a half hours. I know, just like with Halo, we went over because we kept talking about stuff, which is fun. We got stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, I could talk about Fusion for three and a half more. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to Metroid Fusion, uh, something that you mentioned earlier that I'll start with is... It is very linear, possibly even the most linear Metroid game. I would say the most linear, yeah. And that's kind of odd in a game based around exploration. Uh, There is still exploration to be done, but in my opinion, to a less degree, because it's more like instead of visiting hub areas, you visit tiny sections and you're told in which order you're allowed to do them. And yeah. yeah. I'll revise that by saying it's not the most linear in map design. That's still Metroid 2, but mm-hmm. in terms of the actual gameplay, it's right, right. Yeah. Um, now, I know that some people dislike Fusion. Some people really like Fusion. I really enjoy Fusion uh, with a big asterisk. I think that Metroid Fusion is in my top five. Out motion controls. 
Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, I think that um I think the Metroid Fusion's in my top five. But it is one of my least favorite Metroids to 100 <laughs> percent I Yeah, some of those. Yeah, I heavily dislike 100 percenting fusion. It kind of ruins the game for me. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say that one of the things I think that Fusion did um, bad is the last 30% of the game. Uh, well, from, from what point? Uh, from the point you drop down the little hole to fight in Nightmare is where the game falls apart for me. And okay. it picks itself back up when you uh i would say like the last 30 minutes of the game because okay. you uh you're going back and then you have your epic uh boss fight and then you have your timed escape thing and then you have your another epic boss fight and all of that part is really cool and really well done and i really really like all of that but between right where you start the nightmare fight and the point where you're headed back to that main control room to have your fight with the sax um, between there, I just I I don't like any of it. Yeah, um, Fusion is a good game. I'm notorious for saying otherwise, but um, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, right, it's it's great. The, the linearity of it all is my main and primary gripe with the game. Hmm. Um, if a Metroid game can't be randomized, what are you even doing? But um, like it nails so many things like it iterated on on super metroid physics right uh despite the fact that you can't single wall jump anymore thanks for that um <laughs> or i don't can you infinite bomb jump in fusion i don't think you can right mm -mm. they took nope. away both mm -hmm. of those things yeah mm -hmm. um so they they got rid of the sequence breaky stuff which i also don't like but um like the graphics for being on Game Boy Advance, it looks, all the envir different environments look great. Um, the sound design, the just, the the number one point you'll probably hear from most people talking about Fusion is just the atmosphere. Atmosphere, Of yeah. the entire game. Agree. Um, which is something you should strive to get right in any Metroid game. But Fusions is unique because you start off in that game weaker than you start off in most Metroid games. And you're essentially fighting yourself in a way that I think Prime 2 and 3 tried to emulate, where um, you're you're up against mo most of the game indirectly, your final form. <laughs> yeah. And even when you're at your final form, you're a little weaker than they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, anytime you encounter that uber powerful self you just you know freeze up because you don't want to you don't want to go down the ice beam and you can't move anymore. yeah yep yep and you die <laughs> if you slip up you know it it, it pays off as to why you were scared <laughs> yep. terrifying and like the total silence and then the echoing footsteps with uh -huh. the 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 radius of light coming toward you oh it's so good and, and because the SAX is wielding the ice beam, right? The mm -hmm. sound they chose for the ice beam shooting mm -hmm. is just this piercing thing that cuts the music completely. And you're just like... <laughs> 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 
It's terrifying. It is. And I think it's terrifying in a way that no other Metroid game has gotten right to that level. And that's crazy. Of, yeah. Because it's a Game Boy Advance game. Right. Like, <laughs> and like, I still remember my first playthrough, I didn't get that the SAX spots were all scripted. Um, <laughs> and oh. so it honestly felt like, I don't know if you've played Resident Evil 2, the remake. Yep. Uh, or, or probably the original. Both. But like, Mr. X. Yeah. stalking you around the raccoon city police department mm-hmm. that's what i thought that's what i thought yeah. the sax was when i first played it yeah. except sax um, is actually threatening yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't wait for the sax to throw a haymaker and juke juke to the side yeah. uh but uh yeah and so it's like the one th- the only thing that i would have wished that fusion would do in that department uh would be like every now and then you just hear that clomp clonk 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 noise uh like oh oh she's in the next room uh oh and then you sort of just panic yeah panic by laying a power bomb which just reveals yourself to (laughs) 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 no we mentioned uh earlier that this is uh that my, my brother played fusion for the first time at last year's uh marathon sure <laughs> it took him 14 hours to get through i uh i appreciated that because it meant that i could sleep but um he he was a little ragged at the, by the end of all that and so was i think it seemed like everyone who had to sit with him. <laughs> well he also had to play through fusion non-stop which yeah. i didn't do when i was first playing fusion for sure, sure. yeah that too so he definitely got the full experience there mm-hmm. one of the things i found really interesting about fusion was the ice missiles in particular because you can't have the ice beam so they just slap it on your missiles i thought that that was an interesting way to tie your arsenal into the story so to speak um, mm-hmm. i know it's a very yeah. minor thing but i thought it was pretty interesting well and it ended up being interesting mechanically too because it metro prime 3 ended up using that idea Mm-hmm. Um, because they, due to just, you know, implementing the way they implemented motion controls, decided to do beam stacking. And I guess they didn't want to mess with that having freezing capability. Um, and so they, they gave that to missiles instead. Well, and, you can't give uh, your melty gun freeze k- properties. That wouldn't yeah. make sense. Let me tell you about Zero Mission and Super Metroid. But anyway, um, <laughs> plas- plas- <laughs> different type of plasma and prime in the, <laughs> the other ones. Um, but yeah, they're, they're like the diffusion missiles too, uh, towards the end there is something that yeah. was, that was super interesting. And, and I don't think we've seen since, um, I feel like there was other M kind of did that. It had, yeah, no, did the, the other M had the diffusion the charge beam. Diffusion shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which is something I didn't mind seeing make a return. Yeah, and and uh, in Fusion, when you get the charge beam, by the way, normally when you get a charge beam in a Metroid game, that only affects the fact that you can charge your beam and release it, and it does more power. But in Fusion in particular, when you get the charge beam, it actually just mm, increases the damage done by your normal shot. Well, it actually cool. makes it so you fire two shots different. at a time, one <laughs> of them stacked on top of the other. Kind of, yeah. And so, so you can actually uh, hit things with just the bottom half of your regular shot and it'll do one damage uh, or the entire shot and it would do two. Yeah. That's it's it's so they, just really interesting they, yeah. way to implement new things. 
<laughs> they did a lot of cool stuff there. I'm not a fan, but just like with other M, the fact that it takes place on a space station entirely. Um, the fact that they just said, you know, okay, even though you didn't interact with SR388 at all in this game, uh, you blew it up at the end, so congrats. Um, and uh, the, the main issue, really, that I and countless other Metroid fans have, um, not necessarily with the game itself, but the fact that this is the last one to have occurred in the current timeline. And we just have been waiting for what happens after Fusion for 18 years. <laughs> We've been waiting. I, I do think especially since, they leave us, especially since they leave us on such a big question mark for like the entire state of the Federation or the... Uh, yeah. And all that. It's like, yeah. are, are we renegades now? I don't know. I can Are... tell you of at least three Metroid fan games called Metroid Renegade where they address this issue. <laughs> I do find yeah. it interesting that they took a Game Boy Advance game and it's the most recent in the timeline as far as like the overarching story. And it's been sitting there for almost two decades. That is very fascinating to me. Infuriating, but fascinating. Well, and it's it's one of those things where uh, beginning of Super Metroid, right? They, for the most part, wrote themselves into a hole, um, which they've slowly been digging themselves out of. And the fact that by the time Super Metroid happens, there is now one Metroid. Mm. And then the events of Super Metroid happens, and then allegedly there are no Metroids. <laughs> None. And so originally have Fusion explain how a little more a few more Metroids came to be, and then the same, they copied that for Other M and did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the reasons they chose to set the Prime games to set it between Metroid 1 and 2, because Metroids are just everywhere at that point. You can use them how you want. Yeah. Um, but post-Fusion, they have just, you know, said, okay, now there are, again, zero Metroids <laughs> in a franchise called Metroid. What do <laughs> well, we do? No, there's still one. It's you. Oh my god. Yeah, sure. Whatever. It's you. Yeah. You're finally the title character in Metroid <laughs> Empire. He's going to somehow explain that you just slowly turn into a Metroid and then and Samus you play DNA a game as so a Metroid. Messed up. <laughs> so messed up. Oh, yeah. Chozo DNA infused, and then she got Metroid DNA infused, which were made by the Chozo, and then she's still like human. So it's. Is Samus her own grandmother? <laughs> and she was, absorbing, she was absorbing all those X and absorbed abilities. So, like, there's probably lingering effects from that. Like, <laughs> man, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah. I, I think the reason they haven't continued is because they just don't know what to do. But um, I think they are starting to have ideas now. Well, I mean, just spitballing. One of the like one of the things that I would have liked uh, Fusion to do is to sort of play off the idea that you have Metroid DNA a little bit more, uh, like actually give you some energy siphoning abilities or something like that. Um, that was, in fact, one of the premises of my Metroid fan game that was set to oh, be a fusion. It, there you go. Coming hey, out to Windows Vista in 20, 2005. <laughs> yeah, you're still working on that all right for you. 
Totally. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you my uh, my DeviantArt profile where you can figure out now side Yeah, there you go. So oh you can't really talk about fusion without talking about some of the bosses. Um, I will say notably uh, Nightmare and Ridley. Uh, Nightmare because he's terrifying. Like what <laughs> the fuck were they thinking? Uh, Nightmare uh, was more terrifying before I fought him. <laughs> Like when he's in the background, just yeah. hanging out, stalking you. Yeah. I was just like, "Oh god, yeah." Ooh, okay. See more when atmosphere. I him, when I fought him, though, I, I I got his number pretty quick, I guess, and just you know. Yeah, he just he was dead. Yeah, I just having a boss whose face melts is really terrifying. It's he was more annoying for me in other M. Mm, yeah, well, yeah, he's he's something in other M. That's for sure. Uh. <laughs> And then we have Ridley, um, which the fight is whatever. It's fine, I guess. Uh, the thing about uh, Ridley in Fusion is I don't know why uh, whoever made the audio for the game thought that it'd be funny to put that at 3,000% compared to the rest of the game, but his screams still haunt my nightmares. I don't know why it, they did it, but they did. And then, ow. Yeah, it's a bit of a meme. Yep. <laughs> what, if, what if the real nightmare was the Ridley we fought along the way? <sighs> Oh. I'm not acknowledging that. <clears throat> acknowledging what? Yep. So the SAX uh, and the uh, <laughs> the uh, I I think it's an Omega Metroid uh, as yeah like that whole last part of the game uh, I thought was the perfect way to end it in my opinion. Yeah, the SAX fight. Like when I first played the game, I thought it was so hard. I spent so long on it. And then every subsequent playthrough, I thought it was way too easy. <laughs> yep. And, um, but yeah, the, the series of events of the end of the game was, uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. The I Omega feel... Metroid was like, it's a nice little plot twist that, that happens there. Yeah. I feel like the SAX is the <laughs> more of a dark link than any of the other stuff in the Prime games. Uh, because she's using your abilities, exactly. Rather than morphing into giant monstrosities. She's just you, but better. And you have to overcome that. And it's just really cool. You say that, but then in the final fight, SAX literally morphs into a monstrosity. Okay, but we're talking about the first part of the fight. Okay, shh. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> and, then, and then the rest happens, and... That's whatever, but it reminds you that um, it reminds you that what you're fighting isn't you. And it's it draws interesting contrast to it because it's like you're fighting you. You feel like you're fighting you. And then suddenly, oh, now I'm not. And and then you win and then you move on and Omega Metroid pops and out. Save the and yes, and you, you have to save the animals and your ship also helps you save the animals because that was weird and we'll talk about that. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, Adam was not artificial intelligence but was artificial intelligence. I don't... All right. The people, well, he, he wasn't until he was. Yeah, and it's fine. We just upload brains of people that, you know, he yeah. died on the bottle ship, so I don't know how the hell they got his brain into a computer before he died, but he, I don't question these things. Well, no, he, he uploaded it while he was sector, in Sector Zero. Sector is that canon? <laughs> no. No. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. 
fair. That's that's us giving the only reasonable explanation for yeah, that. that's us explaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've 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 practiced explaining on Metroid's behalf for quite a while. <laughs> Was there anything else you it's guys want to add about a Fusion? Necessary part. Mm, yeah, well, it might be. Maybe they'll explain it in another I think, game. I think we've hit on its highs and lows. Um fairly completely cool then what would you say it is on the scale uh recommended well you know i don't know though i might i might bump it's on the border between essential and recommended because same for it is me. like the end of the story yeah currently i will say the same for me but i lean toward essential so i'm going to give it essential but only barely What are you thinking, Kendrivas? Uh, I'm thinking recommended. I, you know, I'm going to say essential because I'm a sucker for a story. But only wow. barely, I'm guessing. It's, it's, not, it's not terrible to play. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was fun. For, for a guy with such a reputation going against Fusion, I'm surprised that I voted it lower than you. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't get clipped or sent to anybody. Yeah, this won't get Don't uploaded in two days. No, no, it's not going on YouTube <laughs> or Spotify or any of those places. No, no, not at all. <clears throat> it makes me glad that you don't have your act together, Jacob. Excuse me? How dare you? <laughs> Episode one went up already, and it's just because I was waiting for uh, art assets to be done. This will go up on time. You just said it; it's not going to be uploaded to all those places. Uh, I was lying uh, to make you feel better. Unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely going to those places. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, I uh, anything overall to Metroid that you guys want to add? All the, I think most, if not all of the, the negatives we've talked about are nitpicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. To an overall series that we say is essential as a, uh, in, in total. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have our favorites out of those. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Everyone should play Metroid. Um, if you don't like 2D side scrollers, start with Prime. If you uh, do, start with Zero Mission. Yeah, I would agree. Play more Metroid. Get caught up. <laughs> Resurgence in the next uh, five or so years when Prime 4 comes out. I'm yep. ready. I'm excited. Anything you want to add, Kondrivas? Oh, just that I am... Anxiously awaiting to see where the series goes. Same. <laughs> Absolutely same. Yeah. There's so much positive stuff they can do with it, and I can't wait mm -hmm. to see where it goes. As long as they don't fuck it up. <laughs> There's the worry. Yep. Or, uh, you know what? There's going to be a supplemental game between those called uh, Metroid Other M2, where you just explore an empty bottle ship. Yeah, they'll, they'll just nothing slide to do. it out somewhere before Prime Three happens, <laughs> yeah. Prime Four happens, and. Uh... I honestly think that if a Metroid, a new Metroid game comes out before Prime Four, like 
trilogy hd that's a whole separate thing i obviously hope it happens um great i think that because they that uh samus returns was met with relative success they will try to repeat that with potentially a non-remake side-scrolling game um which i think they have space to make it a fusion sequel um so i think that has potential of coming out around the same time if not before prime four that would be cool for all we yeah. know they could be working on it right now with someone I cool. mean, they could they could do the the Metroid Prime One and Fusion thing again, throw them both out on the same day. Yeah, that would be great. So one last one last closing question uh, from Havoc in the chat: uh, favorite weapon and favorite ability. I'll start by saying my favorite weapon is the plasma beam because it's powerful, and I'm a little bitch. Uh, and my the prime favorite, uh, no, the uh, the one that shoots green zappy lasers. I don't remember what game it's from, but it's green. Zero mission. Zero mission. Zero mission. Well, I mean, any of the two D games or really. Fusion. Fusion actually, he's probably thinking of maybe because that one's definitely green. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. And my favorite ability is uh, I would say it's tied between uh the speed booster just for the shine sparking stuff and the screw attack screw attack is nuts <laughs> so the question was favorite weapon and favorite ability correct i think i'll have to agree with the madam molasses on favorite ability to become ball <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a super simple basic functionality in fact it is the first thing you ever get in any metroid game um but it adds so much. <laughs> it adds so much to every Metro game, and they give you, you know, upgrades on top of everything you can do with that. Um, so overall, I would have to say, uh, become ball. Weapon though, so many options. Super missiles are good. Power bombs are good. Um, I mean, obviously going to be the Wave Buster, right? You know what? Oh. You're absolutely right. It's <laughs> not the Wave Buster. It's the Flamethrower. <laughs> the Flamethrower. <laughs> oh, ew. Gross. Flamethrower Morph Ball. What about you again, Drevis? Well, see, if you weren't going to pick that one, I was going to have to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you cut it out of the there way. Was, there were just a bunch of weapons like cycling through my head, like in the Matrix, where I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much. Yeah, what, what do I choose? What do I choose? <laughs> this one, the one with 20 foot range that eats my missiles alive. That one. That's <laughs> the one. <laughs> um, no, for ability, you know, I have to. I feel validated. <laughs> For ability, Jacob, I have to go with you. Uh, Speed Booster is my favorite. Um, I love all. Uh, I love all the different things that you can do with it. Uh, once, once Shine Sparking becomes involved, mm -hmm. uh, and then Ball Sparking, and then zipping off to the corner of a room and hitting a, a slope in just the right angle that lets you collect a super missile tank before you're supposed to, and then getting back to where you're supposed to be <laughs> all that stuff. It's real good. Yeah. It's also so satisfying. Um, yeah. Like the, the sounds and the, 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 the visuals behind. Yeah. That they always pair with it. Oh it's yeah. It's just like 
uh better go fast than sonic has done in a long time um, <laughs> yep <laughs> but uh favorite weapon might be the wave beam in its 2D versions just because i really love mm. being able to shoot dudes from the other side of a wall <laughs> feels yeah. really good to shoot got a nice perk. Yeah. on the other side of a wall. Fair. Good. It's interesting though that you specify the 2D version because the 3D version, in my opinion, is kind of eh. Yeah. It's just it doesn't fire fast. Yeah, it's slow yeah. and it, it it wobbles, so sometimes pieces of it miss. And then, yeah. It's cool looking, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say with what it does to your gun, it's the coolest looking one in Prime One. You got like that, yeah. the purple sparky effects on your gun. And with the ice one, it's cold. With the lava one, there's lava in your gun. But this one, <laughs> you know, it's looks cool. It's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Good question, um, person who asked it, whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> it was Havoc. Havoc my asked. Havoc gosh, asked like nice. three hours ago and Molasses remembered. Because <laughs> I wanted to hit all the games <laughs> before we answered it. <laughs> well uh i don't know if you guys know this or not but uh for me it's already tomorrow uh so so (laughs) yeah it does uh it really sucks uh before i let you guys go though snake wants to know favorite and least favorite suit and i'm going to assume you mean aesthetically rather than functionally because functionally i mean come on it's got to be the one that lets you shoot phase on out of your face and murder everything in sight but if we're talking aesthetics, I know what my favorite is. I would have to say the goth suit, which lets you shoot phase on out of your gun and kill everything in sight. Yeah, but only if you're standing in a pile of phase on. Yeah, but it also gives you 50% damage reduction, even if you have not collected any suits before that. That's fair. And honestly, it is my favorite aesthetically because it's it, the blacks and the reds, especially when you're in morph ball mode. It looks so good yeah. in morph ball mode. Um, I already nothing, know. Nothing, nothing says blue phase on like a black and red suit. <laughs> no. Uh, phase on suits real strong. I think for my favorite, though, I have to go with the zero mission gravity suit. Um, I like <laughs> the color purple. Um, and oh, that's right. You're a purple guy. I'm the, I'm a purple guy. Uh, (laughs) and the, uh, like, I don't know, the lights and the sort of the big metallic feel to it. Uh, the, um, I guess hefty is sort of what I'm going for, what I'm looking for. Hmm. But yeah. Boy, if they ever made a green suit, man, I'd be. I would say my least favorite suit by far is literally anything in Fusion. Mm-hmm. Yes, Fusion I agree. Varia is what I was going to say. Yeah, it's so gross. Specifically in there Fusion gross. Varia suit. The puke suit. Yeah, it, they're all, it's all ugly. I don't like any of it. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Get a good game, except it looks like something vomited on you and you just didn't clean it up. It's fine. Yeah, I think they tried to fit too many details into too few pixels for that. <laughs> yep. For that. What about the DS and 3DS games? Uh, you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anything else you guys want to add? 
come to twitch.tv slash metroidhq tomorrow at 11 a.m. to uh, catch the opening of our 10th uh, MHQ-thon. It'll be great. Do it. I am, I am playing many of the games we said that were good. Um, yeah, like Federation Force. Samus Returns, Federation Force. Um, <laughs> Metroid Prime with Gendrevis. And then both Zero Mission and Metroid Prime Randomizers also facing Gendrevis. Everyone wants to fight me at video games. Fun. Mostly me. Well, you... <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm racing Saturnot at uh, zero mission uh, regular, just uh, just a standard run. And you're racing Metroid Prime Three Corruption. That's right. I'm racing him at Metroid Prime Three Corruption because um, because we hate ourselves and want to play race the longest game in the franchise. <laughs> it guarantees a fast time relatively speaking on that long game <laughs> somebody will finish first and then we can stop and then we'll stop it's <laughs> like my race with jacob with metroid prime yeah. <laughs> which i won <clears throat> yeah prime 2 is the only game I, i'm playing solo this year uh and that gets my good old graveyard shift starting at 2 a.m pacific so that's your own schedule's fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't blame... I'm going to be sleeping every moment that I get before that. I hope that Hunter's... Straight through through Federation Force. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Well, uh, thank you both for being here today uh, in yep. our, our Metroid episode. And for those of you curious, uh, next week is Dark Souls, uh, which we'll be focusing on Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. Not the other Souls-like games, like Bloodborne and Sekiro and that stuff. It's only Dark Souls plus Demon Souls. You're not Demon talking Souls. about Elden Ring? No, no, I'm not. Nope. Oh, Elden Ring. <laughs> You're not talking about Samus Returns? Uh, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. No, we just did that, Elias. Please. You can never talk about it enough, really. And, and I'm going to give you guys a little hint as to what's uh, the week after. Uh, it is a game that has characters in it. All right, so wow. <laughs> I try. Exclusive. I try. <laughs> yeah, I try. Oh, you're. It's about time you got around to Elder Scrolls. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I will say this series does have far too many games uh, with far too many titles that are far too long. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But, uh, you got to <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>